I got this voice very clearly in my head. I'm Saint Germain and I've come to offer everyone a gift. And I went, oh, it was a very clear voice, very loud, very clear in my head. And I said, oh, and I knew who Saint Germain was by that time. I didn't have to Google him anymore because I've <laughs> become aware of who he was. And I said, oh, that's great. I said, oh, and thinking that he'd, you know, put a little bit of light in everybody or send the violet flame or, you know, whatever, something like that. And I said, oh, that's wonderful, you know. Um, he said, yes. He said, everyone can ask a question and I'll answer it. And I said, oh, okay, that sounds good. And then I thought about what he just said and I said, well, how are you going to answer the questions? And he said, through you, beloved. And this beloved said, no, no, not through me. <laughs> it's not going to happen. I said, I can't do that. And he said, yes, you can, you know. Welcome to Living 4D with Paul Check. Today's guest is international spiritual teacher and counsellor, Ishtar. Ishtar is an embodied Ascended Master channel who has worked with the Ascended Masters for the past 18 years, regularly channeling high-frequency wisdom for groups and individuals. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and a warm review at the top of the show page on Spotify or at the bottom of the show page if you are listening on Apple Podcast. Your opinions matter and your ratings help us to grow and help more people to be healthy, find freedom of body and mind and to live their dreams. So enjoy today's episode with Paul and Soul Awakening with Ishtar. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Living 4D with Paul Check. Today, I have a very interesting guest and a topic that I think is extremely important. The title of our show today is Soul Awakening with Ishtar. And Ishtar is a very powerful, deep woman who is a spiritual teacher who I learned about from one of my instructors who's been one of my best friends for probably 20 years now named Joe Rushton. Some of you listening will know her for sure. She lives in Sydney and Ishtar lives in Australia. And over the many years of Joe training with me and working as an instructor, she's been also going through Ishtar's training. And whenever I would go to Australia, which for many, many years was quite frequently, twice a year, sometimes for as long as three plus four months, sometimes at a time, I would be over there. Joe would be bringing me her artwork and telling me about her coursework that she's doing and all the stuff she's working through and healing she's doing. And I was always quite fascinated. But what was more impressive to me was watching how that training with Ishtar changed her and how much healing was happening and how just all the growth I could see. And watching Joe's art just literally explode out of her and and getting into sacred codes and all sorts of very amazing stuff. So it was actually at Joe's recommendation that I considered a podcast with Ishtar. So we got to meet and we had a great time hanging out on the um, internet together on, on uh, Skype, I believe it was. And so I've had a chance to look through some of Ishtar's coursework and I just reviewed a book of hers, which was fantastic. And so having looked at her material and, and having had firsthand proof of the results of her teachings, I thought, I really need to share Ishtar with as many people as possible. So Ishtar, welcome to Living 4D. 
Well, thank you, Paul. Thank you so much. High praise indeed. <laughs> thank well, you very much. <laughs> you know what? I'm not a guy that gives out high praise very easily. So you can trust that if it's, if it's coming, you, you've definitely earned it and you have. So I can sit here and say, thank you, Ishtar, for being you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Now, Ishtar is about to re release a book that uh, sh she's had out under a different title, but she's revised it and updated it. And so I wanted to give you just a little bit of information about the book. It's called Healing with the Ascended Masters. And um, it's <laughs> I was reading it and uh, was quite shocked because there was a lot of the concepts, Ishtar, in your book that are in my new book. So I'm like, wow, it's like we're riding this, the same horse a few times here. <laughs> So, but you know, the old saying, great minds think alike. So there I'm patting myself on the back. <laughs> and um, so Ishtar, Ishtar, would you consider yourself a channeler? Is that how you would consider yourself? Yeah, Paul, you know, I would today, definitely. If you'd asked me maybe 15 years ago, I might have been a bit more reluctant to say that. But definitely today, I, I do channel the Ascended Masters and have for you know, 20 years, and um, and I've always called myself the reluctant channel, but these days I'm much more willing to sit with that that title and say, yes, I'm an embodied channel for the Masters. Yeah, well, the reason I asked you is because some people kind of think that's a bit of a swear word, you know, or <laughs> it's like, you know, because there's so much of, there's such a massive variation in channelers and the quality yeah. of information. I think some people are just channeling their unconscious stuff but uh um, yeah and i was one of those people i was very skeptical so um <laughs> for a long time i was extremely skeptical of channels so for me to become a channel was just such a surprise to me because i if anyone had asked me 20 years ago i would have said i oh, don't be crazy you know that's not gonna that's not me you know but uh and that's why i was very reluctant to to come into being a channel it's funny that you say that because I've seen interviews with some really top-notch channelers who said the same thing. They're like, oh, my God, how is this happening? Why is this happening? And finally, it just kept happening. So they just gave up and started writing it down. And next thing you know, people are reading it going, oh, my God, I need more of that. You know, and yeah. and the next thing you know, they're they're basically doing what you're doing, you know, writing books and developing programs that's all channeled through them. But I think, you know, it doesn't matter where the information, I mean, if I said to anybody, okay, where are your thoughts coming from? They wouldn't be able to give me an answer other than they'd say their brain. But, you know, people like you and I know that that's not where they're coming from. No. Um, so I think what what's important is the quality of the information. And looking through your book, there's just a lot of really, not only science in there that's really quite good and i'm very up on all that so i was reading and i'm like wow i didn't know ishtar was so scientific <laughs> she's talking about plasma and, and <laughs> electromagnetic forces and i'm like oh this is cool <laughs> well i like to put a little bit of reference and background to the work that we do because it's a lot of people think that um you know when you're talking about energy that it can be you know sort of out there and and, and very hard to grasp the understanding of it. But when you put a little bit of science behind it, 
And when you put, you know, a real sort of practical appliance to it, it you can see that it that it's right. You know, it's correct. It's true. You can easily um, connect to it if you understand it. You know, the master's always told me that, you know, and I'll say this a lot, the master's told me because I've been talking to them for 20 years, so so that they often tell me things. So they say that when the mind is comfortable with something, then then everything opens. But when the mind's not comfortable with it, then everything stays shut. So it's about getting the mind to be comfortable with something, and this has been a very important part of the work that I do. And I'm sure you're aware of that as well. Yes. And, and, and I do channel quite a lot, uh, but I just don't call it channeling. I, I meet with great teachers that have passed over, be they yogis or mystics or Rumi or, uh, you know, you know, great minds that who's like Plotinus or somebody whose work I'm studying, but I have questions. And I'm like, okay, well, they're not here, but I'm just going to go connect to them because I understand how consciousness works. And I, and I know that nobody really dies. They just shape shift into another vibrational sure. realm. So I found everybody's there. And, and for many years in my clinical practice, I'd be working on somebody and all of a sudden there'd be a, a, a one of their relatives or a family member standing there that's passed over. And at first it was like, I was like, okay, what do I do with this? This person's trying to give me a message. And so I just had to check in with myself and, and, you know, cause some people that scares them or they think that you're crazy. But in every single case, what I did is I say, well, I need you to tell me something to tell your relative here that they know there's no way that I could possibly know. Because otherwise, they're just going to think I'm crazy and it's not going to be helpful. In every single case, they were able to tell me something that the person on the treatment table usually just burst out in tears. They're like, oh, my God, how in the world could you know that? And I said, well, actually, I don't. Your father's standing right here telling me or your mother or your grandmother or your uncle. And so my point is I'm bringing a lot of information in from from these different beings, which of course I write down and it becomes part of coursework and leads me to other studies. And it's always been very, very accurate and amazing, but I've actually, uh, at one time I did sit down and write a whole book. I had a very profound experience of a being that came to me and transferred a pile of information through me. And I literally wrote till my fingers were in pain. I, I, I wrote like eight hours straight. I wore multiple pens out filled an entire book and um i never published it but i could publish it i just got so busy that i have it sitting there so that was the first time i ever channeled a book but the strange and interesting thing was i was very haunted by this person's presence because i felt like i knew them and so it was driving me batty so i started I just kind of like kept asking the question, who is this? And I actually, it, it, it drove me so nuts, Ishtar. I drew a picture of this person that was coming to me. And as fate would have it, I was working on a guy at that time in my clinic who for a living 
owns a giant 3D printing company and does things like floats for the Rose Bowl parade, you know, can, can do, you know, styrofoam and things like that that are like 40 and 50 feet tall. And so I was telling him this story and he said, well, do you have the picture? I said, yes. He goes, can I have a photocopy of it? I said, yeah, well, what are you going to do with it? He says, I'll surprise you. <laughs> You're not going to believe what happened. So maybe a month later in the mail, I got a box and I opened it up and it was a beautiful clay sculpture. And he, his artists, he has professional artists working for him, took my picture and turned it into a 3D sculpture. And the instant that I saw it, I went, oh my God, that's Itzhak Bentov. And I went and opened up a picture of Itzhak, of, of, a, of one of his books, or I found a picture on the internet and put it next to the sculpture. And I went, holy shit, that's Itzhak Bentov talking to me, who's been a hero of mine for many years. I've read all his books, studied them over and over again. It's part of my teachings. So it was really like a, a wild experience because I made the connection between why I felt haunted by the presence of this being channeling to me. Mm. Amazing. But uh, I wanted to share a little bit about what's in your book, just so people know um, what's in Healing with the Ascended Masters. So I'm just going to give you a quick rundown of the chapters, everybody. Chapter one, Wisdom from Lord Maitreya. So she has different, um, well, you call them ascended masters. So they're, they're different ascended masters that are giving her information about key aspects of things like our soul or different um, aspects of the soul or rays, which we're going to get into. So when I say Lord Maitri or any of these other lords, that those are the masters that are channeling to her, giving her this information. Chapter two, what is energy? Chapter three, open to all that you are. Chapter four, time to resolve your karma. Chapter five, the 13 ascended masters. Chapter six, what are the universal rays, which we'll get into. Um, chapter seven, create a soul chart. And we'll talk about that too. Um, because the soul chart, doesn't that relate to the readings on the rays, Ishtar? Yes, it does. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. So I put, I put my numbers in there for you in case you wanted to use me as an example at any point. <laughs> I'd love to use you as an example, Paul. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll you know. Look at uh, it, yeah. Uh, you know, I'll just say right now for the listeners that I'm pretty skeptical of all that kind of stuff. So when Joe wanted to do it with me, at first I was doing it just because she, she wanted me to have the information. Second, I was doing it because it's what you've taught her and it's related to what we're talking about. But I've had so many astrology readings over the years that just turned out to be so fluffy and it could have been anybody. I didn't tell Joe I felt that way because I didn't want her to feel, you know, like I was wasting her time, but I wanted to also be honest and, and say, let's see what happens because how else am I going to know? But once she started giving me the reading, I was like, holy shit, this is like too accurate, man. It's almost like, I'm standing naked and Joe's reading me from the inside out. Now, of course, you know, she used me to get the numbers, but she directed the whole process and it was just very interesting. So I thought, you know, since we're going to talk about this, I'll put myself on the chopping yeah. block and you can use me as a guinea pig and, and, um, I'd love to, you know, 
because a lot of my listeners are, are, are real regular followers of the podcast. So they, you know, I've been running it for a few years now. So they have enough of a sense of me that when you're talking about me, they're already going to have a, a, be able to connect. It's not <laughs> like they're getting a reading on someone they've never mm -hmm. met, you yeah, know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so chapter six, what are the universal rays? Chapter seven, create a soul chart. Chapter eight, step into mastery. That's always a good idea. Chapter nine, the power of the 12 universal rays. And, and more of these things will make sense as we go in the podcast. Chapter 10, how the universal rays are expressed. Chapter 11, the meaning of the universal rays. Chapter 12, open to love, which is always a great idea. Chapter 13, how to read your soul chart. That's important. And chapter 14, the power of a soul chart, which you'll find out as we go through. So Ishtar, you know, when you get to meet somebody like you, the only other person I've met that I would say is like you in that category was one of my greatest teachers was a shaman named Rowena Kreider. And oh my God, she was powerful. She was like, it, it, I used to go to bed at night thinking, how is it possible? She had about seven master's degrees. She was an artist extraordinaire. She built her own house by hand when she was in her 70s. She lived on Mount Shasta in a tent for seven years doing healing work on the planet. Mm. She was a master of music. She was a master of math. She wrote multiple books on the I Ching. She was an expert at the I Ching. She knew quantum physics inside out and backwards. She knew plant medicines inside out and backwards. Mm. She was a herbalist. Uh, one of the most profound experiences I had, I did a like a seven or seven days or more course called the nine Egyptian light bodies. And in that course, she connected to each of us, just put her consciousness inside of us and sat at a piano and played what she said is the music of our soul. Mm, and most amazing. people just broke down in tears. But when she played the music of my soul on the piano, it was just the most powerful, wild experience. Mm. And she could channel, shape shift, you name it. I mean, she was like so powerful. It was kind of freaky. And so when I read all this stuff that comes through you and I see all the stuff Joe's doing, I'm like, it must be interesting for people when they get to know you to realize what really happens inside of you. <laughs> well, I'm pretty, I'm just pretty ordinary, pretty normal. I, you know, but I've been very blessed to receive these, these teachings from the masters. And, um, you know, can I share with you how it started? Yeah, that's the thing I wanted to get to next. I was just uh, trying to make the point that there's not many people on the planet on the planet that no, have the level of ability that you do. Mm -hmm. And the only person I could think of that I've ever encountered personally and worked with over a sp several years was this one person. So now that I've established my respect for your authenticity and your abilities, I'd like you to give us a story of how your life unfolded because you weren't always this way. <laughs> no, no, I wasn't. You know, I'll start. You know, I'll start that when I was young, I was actually always very psychic and I was very clairvoyant. And of course, 
you know, in your youth when you're very different to everyone else, that can always cause you a few problems. So I did shut all that down and I and I went on and was a journalist in women's magazines for many years. Right. That's you know? what you told me. I forgot what yeah. you were doing. Yeah. And um, anyway, I, in my, you know, sort of mid-40s, I, I decided to start doing some energy work and I did started doing some training in pranic healing and aromatherapy and all the stuff, you know, you go into. And I'd studied astrology and tarot when I was young. And I, anyway, I, I was doing all that. And um, I went to this retreat, and um, there was a there was a teacher there who was a channel, and she was a very powerful channel of the ascended masters. Now I'd never heard of these ascended masters, and I'm in this retreat, and I'm pretending that I know all about them because I don't have a clue who they are, and I think they're talking about real people because I've never read anything about the ascended masters. So I'm nodding my head and very sagely going, "Yeah, yeah, sure," you know, and of course. You know, I go home and I have to Google what they are or who they are because I have no idea and I'm astounded. And, of course, being a skeptic, I was a huge skeptic of channels. And um, this this woman, her name was Kuala, um, there was a lot of teachers there and I did all the courses at this retreat and I went and listened. I thought, oh, I better go and listen to this, this woman who was the channel. And she was doing her channeling in a teepee, so we're all sitting there cross-legged with our eyes closed. And here I am, I've got my eyes open wondering, where the wires are, you know, <laughs> that she's being fed all this information. Anyway, you know, that's how sceptical I was, you know. I really didn't believe any of it. And um, and anyway, she channeled Lord Buddha. And it was my first experience of receiving frequency, of receiving mm. high vibrational frequency through a channel, not words. And I can never tell you what she said because the words weren't important. What I received was an energetic activation and I sat there with tears streaming down my face and my whole mm. energy, my whole being, and I couldn't tell you at the time I didn't know what was happening. All I knew was something was happening that I couldn't explain and it was extraordinary. So I went on to do a bit of work with her and she's, a few years later she started up a school for a year and I attended it. And as, and sort of as, you know, she was a channel. So we're all learning this. It was about 30 people in the school. And I did it for a year. And at the end of that year, I was holding a meditation group by that stage. I've been doing that for a while. And I was at home holding a meditation group in my studio. And we were doing this meditation. And, um, at the end of those meditations, I used to sit and we'd just decide what would we do next. You know, we do a little psychic connection clairvoyance whatever and talk to people and um i got this voice very clearly on my head i'm saint germain and i've come to offer everyone a gift and i went oh it was a very clear voice very loud very clear in my head and i said oh and i knew who saint germain was by that time i didn't have to google him anymore because i would <laughs> become aware of who he was and i said oh that's great i said oh and thinking that He'd, you know, put a little bit of light in everybody or send a violet flame or, you know, whatever, something like that. And I said, oh, that's wonderful, you know. Um, he said, yes. He said, everyone can ask a question and I'll answer it. And I said, oh, okay, that sounds good. And then I thought about what he just said and I said, well, how are you going to answer the questions? And he said, through you, beloved. And this beloved said, no, no, not through me. <laughs> it's not going to happen. 
I said, I can't do that. And he said, yes, you can, you know. So funnily enough, that group that night was twice as large as normal. There was about 30-something people in the group. And I said to them all, I said, look, I've just been having this conversation with St. Germain and this is what he's proposed, you know, and I'm very reluctant to, to even think about this. What does everybody think? And they all nod their heads and, you know, yes, 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 of course. And so, <laughs> and so, you know, I said, oh, all right, well, I'll give it a go, but I don't think I can do this. And I had a lot of fear and a lot of, you know, feelings this is not possible and all the doubts and all the questions. And in that moment, I experienced this incredible wave of energy that just went through me, like peace. And I just went into this amazing space of peace. I, even today I get goosebumps when I remember it. It's very clear because it was so profound. And it's funny that right when you said that I got goosebumps. <laughs> yeah, and it just went through me. And I went into this amazing sort of state, trance-like state, and we went around the room and everyone could ask questions and he answered. I can't tell you what he said. I was in trance. I had no idea what he said. And um, halfway through, I came out of my trance and I said, oh, I have to stop. I'm going to, I thought I was going to be violently ill. I was, you know, just all this fear came up again. Suddenly again, this huge wave of energy just went through me. And I just went back into peace again. And um, often when I talk about this, it brings tears to my eyes because it was such an, an incredible experience. And then I went into this trance-like state and he completed the circle and everybody got to ask a question, even my mother who was there at the time. Wow. And, um, um, and everybody, you know, got an answer to whatever they were asking. Now, I had no recollection of what he said and it was... For quite a while, I used to go into translate states when, when the masters came in. And I had to keep my head down. So my, in those days, my chin used to be on my chest mm -hmm. and I couldn't lift my head up. It was almost like I had a hand on my head. And, um, and then I would speak and people would say it was not always easy to understand because I would speak and I would speak in a voice that had an accent. It wasn't my voice. And then the Saint Germain came to me. About a week or so later, he said to me, "Okay, now we'd like to, um, we'd like you to channel regularly for a group um, every Friday night, six o'clock. Invite a group to come, and you channel, and we'll bring through information for them and wisdom and answer questions." And I said, "No way!" Mm -hmm. <laughs> I told you I was reluctant. I said, "No way!" Yeah. I said. I can't do that. I said, Friday night, everyone in Australia goes to the pub on Friday night. No one wants to come. I lived on a 10-acre property out in the country. I said, no one wants to come out here on Friday night. Six o'clock's too early. You know, it's, you know, every excuse in the book. He said, no, no, they'll come. They'll come. And I said, no, they won't. And he said, just try. And I went, all right. So I put it out there that I was going to do this. Anyway, first night, 30 people turn up. Uh-huh. Six years later, they were still coming every Friday night for six years. Wow. And um, so I was... Did you get over your fear? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know. No, there's still that nervousness, not so much now, but in those days there was still that nervousness and I'd do a lot of preparation beforehand to make sure that I was really being able to hold the energy. 
I really wanted to do the right thing. Um, I, I really wanted to be present and and offer, you know, the right thing. I still had my doubts. I still had my questions. I still had my own stuff I was dealing with, you know. So, but but I'll say this to you that I ended up working with a council of thirty three masters, and each one of them I had to channel each one three times, and each one had to. There was this like a almost like a DNA strand of energy. They had to go through that, you know, that little place in the back of your neck, your where the spine meets. There's a bump there. It had to go through that place there. And then it goes down my kundalini into the earth and rounds into the earth. And yeah, you mean right, right here in the base of the skull? yeah, in the base, you know, yeah, where your little bump is. Yeah, that's, so I used to go that's through. Where the, that's where your medulla oblongata is. That's the yes. brainstem. Yep, I had to go through there, and it went down my kundalini, down my spine, into the earth. Had to happen three times with each master, and huh. before. That happened, you know, while that was happening, I had my head was never allowed to come up. I had to keep my head down and sort of speak like this. And then when I'd finished channeling three times, you know, over a period of time, of course, not in a row, um, then when I channeled that particular master, my head could then be free. I could lift it up. I didn't have to, I didn't feel like it was being pushed down. And I couldn't mm-hmm. actually lift it up. It was like a hand was on my head. It was, you know, every yeah. time. And so I've realized over the years, and we're talking a long time now, that when I bring through the frequency of the master, it's vibrational frequency, it's consciousness. And I share it through the words, but also through the energy I'm sharing. And that consciousness moves through me. And in some way, not all of it, I, I'm not as wise as the masters, and I certainly haven't embodied all of their wisdom but a lot of what they share seems to come and sit within me and it comes part of who I am. And, and, and that's also what I share with people because when I'm channeling, I'm channeling the words and the masters have often said I could just say blah, 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 it wouldn't matter, not the words. Right. It's the actual encodements, we call it, on the waves of energy that move out through through the channel that touch people. So that's, I always say it's, we're, we're a high frequency channel. So that's what we channel is high frequency, not information or knowledge. Lots of other people do that. I don't actually do that. Although there is information and knowledge in a lot of what I bring through, but it's more about the frequency and it's more about allowing that to touch people when they're ready to receive it and to and that opens up their cellular structure, their molecular structure in some way. Um, and I've seen that so many times now. So that's a bit of my story. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. And, and, um, what do you think it is that leads one to being selected for that, um, responsibility? Look, you know, it's, Paul, it's a good question because I've often asked it and the masters have told me, that I actually have worked with them with this particular council before, not on earth, but somewhere else. Um, so therefore when I incarnated in this lifetime and, and I, I, and it's not the first time on earth I've done it. Uh, they came to me again <clears throat> when I was ready because when I was younger, I certainly wasn't ready to do it. Um, and, and that's why, because I have a connection to them that I was totally oblivious to for such a long time. And, I have a I have a not for profit group 
that's been going for eight years now, what we call mentors of love and wisdom. And we, they're all channel students that they've done courses with me. And there's 89 of them in this group. We've been together for eight years. But nobody has yet stepped forward to channel, um, you know, a council of masters. And I often think, well, you know, that's strange and think that, that would, there would be more people that would do that. But apparently that's not the case. So I, I don't like to say I'm, you know, unique or individual or whatever, but it's just not the case. So yeah, I think, I think there's a lot of factors that are involved that are probably not easy to pinpoint, mm. such as past life experience, timing, um, the level of development that each soul is at and whether they're ready to handle the responsibility. Cause being a channeler, um, not only does it come with a lot of responsibility, because if people listen to what you say and it causes trouble, it certainly is not going to make your life easier. But oftentimes people are channeling such advanced information that, um, well, there's just, there's a lot of responsibility, I think, to, to be a, a channeler of, of higher consciousness because the paradox of it is, as you know, things that are often very true and very profound are often heavily rejected. <laughs> and, and I'm so pleased you said that because that is so true and I'm always shaking my head about that. Not no, but I'm just shaking my head in amazement and, and never understanding that, you know. But um, I think it's a fear of, of opening to something, you know, something new, something new that, that maybe makes us question what we already hold. I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I've always said to people, or like I, I might have mentioned a book or something or a source that might have been channeled and one of my students might say something like, I, I can't believe you believe in shit like that. And I say, well, have you met Jesus Christ personally? <laughs> no. Have you met Lao Tzu? No. Have you met Confucius? No. Mm -hmm. Have you met the Buddha? No. Do you read their books? Yes. Do you believe in any of it? Yes. Yeah. Well, all I care about is the quality of the information. I, I don't care if the walls start talking to me. If I'm getting good information, I'm going <laughs> to go pet the walls and say, keep talking. Can I bring you a cup of tea? <laughs> you know, but I, I, I think part of it is, is that people are so encapsulated in their egos. Mm. And the ego, as you know, resists spiritual growth because it's a progressive death for the ego. and people are so bought into the illusion that they can control the events of their life and that tomorrow will be exactly how they want it. And when you start bringing in higher vibrational information that makes you realize maybe you're telling yourself a story that you should change, then there's a lot of resistance to it. So, you know, they put Jesus on the cross and many of the great teachers mm. have been crucified for telling the truth. And so I think, I think a lot of people kind of, don't really know how to handle uh, the responsibility and the risks of, of channeling information that, that, well, quite frankly, could get them killed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, hopefully not be... in this day and age, but you're quite right. Yeah, I totally agree yeah, well, with you. Yeah. You got to be, I think if you really want to be a vehicle for truth, you have to be ready to, to die. And if you're not ready to die, then you probably aren't 
connected to the truth enough to to trust that you should channel it. Yeah. And you and know. you know, Paul, in, in this day and age, I think I was given a choice by the masters quite a while ago that I could stay where I lived on my 10-acre property and just teach locally to the community and just share with people I was already sharing with. Or I mm-hmm. could go out and become a world teacher and travel and take my the work out. And um and I I, I got I, I chose to take the work out, which was a big step, which meant leaving my property and changing my life. And I had I had to go through an initiation for two years where I was living a, a, an experience where I was judged really heavily. And um and the masters and I asked them, why have I got to go through this? This was during it, not at the beginning of it, because they didn't tell me exactly what was going to happen. Um, and they said, because this judgment you're experiencing now, this rejection that you're experiencing now will happen on a worldwide scale. And you need to be prepared for this because if you're going to go out there, many people will judge you and many people will project upon you and many people will deny and, and say things about you. And if you're not prepared and ready, this won't, you won't be able to do the work. And they were quite right. I didn't realize it, but they were quite right. So the judgment was coming from other people, not like a course of judgment from the masters themselves. No, no, from other people. Yeah, yeah. But, but of course, it was simply a reflection of my own judgment and myself, you know, it was being reflected to me. Sure. So, I mean, that was yeah. something that I had to work on, you know, so that was, that was shown to me very clearly. Yeah, I think it's great, though, because no matter who you are, you know, there's an old saying, you can always tell who the pioneers are. They got arrows in their back. <laughs> you yeah, know? Pulled, I've actually pulled an arrow out of my back. So. <laughs> oh, wow. I must not have felt very good. <laughs> you know, turmeric's really, really hot now. There's a lot of scientific research on it. But they're not all created the same. So I brought Autumn Smith on to tell you about Paleo Valley's turmeric complex so you know exactly what the benefits are and why you, like me, should get your turmeric complex from Paleo Valley. Autumn, tell us about your turmeric complex. At Paleo Valley, we are big believers in food as medicine. And so turmeric, of course, it has beat drugs out. We know it's anti-inflammatory. We know it has brain benefits. We know it has joint benefits. But what most people don't know is that a lot of turmeric supplements only contain one isolated compound of turmeric called curcumin. And so what we did instead was create a complex. We added organic turmeric and then ginger and rosemary and clove, which were some of the most DNA protective spices studied. And we created a complex. We added organic coconut powder and pepper for absorption. And so we We've created a really high quality, highly bioavailable turmeric complex that will hopefully help you to feel your best. And all you have to do to check it out is go to paleovalley.com. That's P-A-L-E-O-V-A-L-L-E-Y.com. And you can use the code CHECK15, that's lowercase C-H-E-K-15 to save 15%. One question that comes to my mind when you're talking of ascended masters how where does an ascended master fall within the concept of an avatar or a mahatma right 
Um, well, Mahatmas are ascended masters. I mean, it's maybe a different language, but they certainly there are Mahatmas that are you know they're a part of the ascended master group, and there are thousands and thousands of ascended masters. They're simply beings that have ascended beyond the physical ego, and you know the my understanding of it is, and they're also on their initiation. The masters tell me they're still doing their initiations. They've got their gifts. But they honed their gifts. The masters that, that I've connected with, this is my experience and I can only talk from my experience, have actually honed the gifts that they hold. And each one of them, you know, hold, hold those gifts. I mean, we are all expressions of the God source, whatever that is. And I always say to students, if you don't like the word God, use Fred. I don't care. It's not a matter of, you know, it's not a matter of that. It's simply a consciousness of creation. And we are all our expression of that, and the masters are the same. It's simply that they've moved through initiations where they've opened more to their light and left their ego selves behind. And, you know, and even when I see them, I have never seen the masters in physical form. When I see the masters, I only ever see them as light bodies. That's all I ever see. I have never, they've never showed me a physical form. Um, so, and I think it's important because you know, there are lots of images of these masters around and, and that's important for the mind because people often need to relate to a face but they can't relate to a light body so much. But they've just moved beyond beyond that attachment to physicality. They don't come into the form anymore because the form has been mastered for them, you know. The physical form has been mastered. And yeah. so they It would probably with, be... Uh... It would probably be uh, a bit like suffocating for them anyhow. To come in, yeah. It takes a lot of energy. To be in a physical body, Mm. yeah, because, you know, now you got to work through the five senses and and, um, it's going to slow consciousness down a lot. Mm. Yeah. Although there's one master who absolutely celebrates the physical self and that's St. Germain. That's good. He absolutely, he loves connecting with humanity. And he's, he's almost, you know, childlike in the fact that he gets so excited about it. And he loves, he, he, one of his, one of his wisdoms is enjoy the spiritual, enjoy the physical body because as you said, and you have the five senses or the six senses in the physical body. You don't have that in a light body. You can touch and feel each other. You can smell a flower. You can taste, you know, those sort of things. And he says his teachings is to celebrate those things. And, and he's, you know, he teaches how to celebrate being in the physical body instead of seeing it as being, you know, a heavy weight upon us. So, yeah, he really sees that very clearly. You know, that brings up a question that I had when I was reading your book yesterday. And I've heard this many times. You're not at all the first person to say that you don't have touch and taste and all those experiences when you're in a light body. But, you know, I'm a remote viewer and I've been all over the place and I can literally uh, meet people. I can smell foods and drinks. I can smell flowers. I, I find that I have and I call it my spirit body because I'm moving in a it, it's almost like an, a light body. It, it's a body of light. It's a, yeah, it's it a is. sometimes it's called a doppelganger or a body double. But like if I go to the sun, I'm in my light body, but I can pick things up. I can taste things. So I'm, I've always 
wondered why it is that people have this idea that someone like an ascended master can't um, enjoy the smell of things or the uh, the 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 kind of the things that we think only can come through the senses because every one of our senses has a voyance to it. We have clairvoyance, seeing what can't be seen with the physical eyes, clairaudience, I hear what can't be heard with the ears, clairsentience, I feel what can't be felt with the senses. And all of those voyances are really what we have as physical senses actually begin in higher consciousness as that capacity. But because it's consciousness that's creating the body and the structure, what we call our five senses is really the end product of a higher vibrational capacity. So I wanted to bring that up with you because because I've always found that interesting that people say you can't do that in a light body, but I do it all the time. Um, it's not a matter that you can't do it. It's a matter that when you're in the physical body, you're doing it from a physical body. So your base is the physical body. You're still working through all 12 energy bodies, which is your field. So you're still, even though you're out there, you're working with your, you know, you're working with those things, you are still working through all of those energy bodies that you require to work through when you're in a physical body, whether it be this physical body, whether you're a, an ant, whether you're a, an extraterrestrial being, whatever physical form you have taken, you are still working through energetic bodies. Um, when you move through your ascension process, you no longer work through those energetic bodies because there's no need for them. So that's my understanding. So, and they have no attachment to it after that. They just have a consciousness of, um, what could I say? It's a connection consciousness, but there's no individualized sense of touch, feel, or whatever. It's no longer, um, I'm not even going to say the word important because it's not about importance. It's simply, it's, it's no longer part of their experience. Yeah. You see, the, the thing for me is, I understand what you're saying, but my body's laying here in my, <clears throat> excuse me, my massage chair, which I like because I can recline and, and get real comfortable for that type of work. But my physical senses can't travel to the moon or to Venus. No. They, well, they, they can. Can't. You're taking your spirit body, your spiritual self to different places. Of course you can. Because that's still all part of your experience. You haven't moved through the ascension process. So No, I mean my, my physical body is laying in the chair. Yeah. So the taste buds that taste here aren't what's tasting there because they're not there. But they're so connected. There must, yeah, they, they might be connected. But they're the point is how do you how do you have the experience of drinking water on another planet when your physical body's here and it's not drinking any water? Because you're still working through the physical matter. You're still working through physical matter. If you're actually on another planet drinking water, you're still connected to physical matter. You're still in, in, in those realms of physical matter. That's my understanding you mean the of it. You mean the matter in the, on the other planet? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, to that yeah. physical matter. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I, I, my point that I thought you were saying is that the only reason I can do that is because I'm using the senses in my body, but I'm saying, well, my body's sitting in a chair and I'm, you know, a million miles from here. Uh, so, you know, for me, what it is, because when I answer, I always ask myself these questions, is that the same consciousness that creates the physical senses works in any level of the body. So I'm just, when I'm in the astral body, the same mechanism that is actually, you know, 
there's a meditation that I do that is, is a, <clears throat> you could do it, but most people have a hard time with it. It's called seeing the seer and hearing the listener and feeling the feeler. So sometimes I go into meditation and I'll just maybe look at a piece of my art and I'll hold the question or I'll hold the intention. I don't want to, I don't want to see with my physical eyes. I want to move back in to the depths of my soul so that I can be with the soul that's looking through the eyes. Point being, I've, I've been able to do that and I've had some very profound experiences, some of them not at all what I expected would happen. And so um, I guess what I'm saying is, is that each energy level I go backward still has the wisdom of how to smell, touch, taste, feel, because it's ultimately what's channeling that into the body. And, and when you die, all that stuff happens, but the other bodies are going away. So they're taking that with them. That's right. And, but of course, when you ascend out of the realms of matter, because you've mastered matter, those bodies don't exist anymore. Right. Well, you don't need them. Yeah. No. So, so you're just pure consciousness. There's another thing that I'll share with you. Um, be interested to hear your thoughts on this. This is, of course, based on my own experience. I have found that matter is a relative concept. And here's how I describe it to my students. Let's pretend that you were God, which you are, and you made a video game and you said, I am going to enter the game and then make an agreement with myself that I can't get out of the game until I win it. But the game, just like a video game, is not made of anything but light bouncing around in electric circuits, but really it's all light. And so what I have found is that when I go into these other dimensions, like the astral or, or uh, different dimensions, most of them are astral, but um, it depends on how you want to categorize the astral, but anywhere that I can go in my light body, even into dimensions that are not physical like this, but they're made of light. I've met beings made of light many times and hugged them and had relationships. So my point is, if you were inside the video game and you were inside of a house, it would seem just as real as the house that you're sitting in right now. That's right. So what I found is that concept of matter is always relative to the zero force of consciousness itself, because anything other than unconditional love or zero is something and it seems like it's material relative to your actual authentic state at the highest level which is god consciousness so my point is matter to me is a relative concept we think of matter as rocks and houses and trees and wood but what i'm saying from my own experience is that i can have a dream of houses trees and wood and they're just as physical in the dream so what are your thoughts on the relativity of the concept of matter? Well, I totally agree with what you're saying, definitely. Of course you can do that. And, and each of us is different in how we experience that due to the fact of how open we are to have that experience, yeah. you know, and, and how much input we're allowing to come in. So uh, you're allowing, I mean, you have a, a, a mind and a heart and a consciousness that's really open. And, and willing to receive 
but I'm interested. You know, I'm curious. You are curious, but you're very open and you're, you're open to that. But you're, you're a bit of a rarity for that because not everybody is, you know, there's, you know, one of the big things I teach my students is always open your heart, which means your consciousness, open your consciousness to receive. Uh, because, you know, you're so busy perhaps giving and doing that you're not actually receiving. And so therefore in the end, you end up being empty because you're not keep, you're not replenishing yourself with the consciousness you need to replenish yourself with. But of course, you're doing that all the time because you're out there having those experiences, opening to that spiritual connection, opening your consciousness to whatever is coming to meet you. And through your curiosity, but through your vast expanse of being able to do that, but not everybody is able to do that at the moment or are choosing because choice is such a big um, Yeah. Thing. You know, Ishtar, for me, um, ever since I was a child, it began when I was in Christian science Sunday school as a little boy. And I just felt what they were saying was so wrong. When they, you know, I, I've said it on my podcast lots of times, so I won't rehash it. But basically, as I was listening to say what God is, but then saying God would burn you in hell and all this stuff, I'm like, how can you believe that? Yes, it's how a good question. You, how can you tell me that God is love and God loves me, but God will burn me in hell? I mean, because if God is everything, God's burning God in hell. So what happened to me as a little boy? It's like a, a switch got flipped. And I had this burning, burning, burning quest that my little boy's mind said, there's something wrong with adults. They're very lost and confused. They're angry a lot. They're sad a lot. And they believe that God is paradoxically unconditional love yet will abuse them and torture them in hell so if there's anything i'm going to do in my lifetime i am going to figure out what god is so i can help these poor adults wake up (laughs) that was pretty profound for a child that was very profound it's you know it's it's never left me and i still find it fascinating you know i i just and that's why i love talking to people like you that have kind of gone deep into it because it's kind of like oh finally i found somebody that i can talk to that that's normal (laughs) if we'd have been if we'd have known each other as children we would have agreed because i can remember very clearly sitting in church listening to that nonsense and thinking this was nonsense and and i was sitting in a church one day um looking it was a church with big glass windows looking out onto nature and listening to the priest and then i looked out onto the nature and I had this really incredible connection with God or consciousness or with creation and I never went back into a church again because I realised that what I was hearing there was never going to sustain me. So I found my connection outside, which was... Yeah, me too. You know, yeah. I had to go off and get into nature. I just had to get away from people, Mm. um, especially school teachers, unfortunately. Most of them drove me crazy as a kid, and they wouldn't answer my questions. So I thought, why do I even have to go here? Yeah. But uh, the, the past is the past. Um, a curious question I would like to ask you is, what is your conception of the soul? Like when you use that word, 
because it's a word that there's very little agreement on. I mean, I certainly have my own experiences, observations, opinions, and beliefs because I've looked into it very deeply. But for the audience and, and for me, what exactly is a soul in your, in your um, way of expressing it? Um, let's, let's just consider the whole sort of spiritual connection back to source because, I mean, we're birthed from source, each and every one of us. But, but understanding that we are this creative energy because God's source is creating, it's creation. It's constantly creating of itself. It's constantly renewing. It's constantly creating. And what it does, my understanding, what the masters have shown me, and this is, this is what they've shown me in my experiences, where we've got different layers of ourselves, and the soul is but another layer of our connection to source of our, or the expression of source that we are. And the, the first sort of layer of source of my understanding is that what we call the presence of the divine or a very high, high frequency consciousness that's very close to source. So that would be the, the higher self, wouldn't it? No, it's even beyond the higher self. So it's beyond the higher self, but you could call it a higher self, but it's beyond the higher self. Its consciousness in its purity never materializes into matter, but it then expresses what we call the soul. So it expresses what I sort of feel as, you know, I've often thought about it. It's, the soul's the CEO of physical matter, or the soul is the expression, the CEO of the expression of um, all energy that moves out into into the material realms, um, wherever that may be. Because it's not always on Earth. We tend to assume it's just on this planet, and it's only in human form. But of course, we're talking about all spiritual, all physical matter, um, and the soul is the the CEO or the manager of that, the foreman, if you will, but I think it's always the CEO. And sometimes, you know, I've been, I always often see the soul as being like a huge, vast sort of spaceship almost of consciousness that, that actually is receiving and, sh and sharing energy and consciousness with these expressions of itself, once again, of the soul, but also of the higher consciousness and of the, 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 the God source. And it then expresses usually 12 expressions of itself into matter and then it manages those 12 expressions of itself wherever it's been guided to um, materialise those expressions of self. Of course, you know, human the human form is a popular place to come to learn and grow because the soul is wanting to evolve. The soul is wanting to learn its mastery of the, this realm of, of physical matter in the universe. So it's, you know, the human, um, the human body on, on earth is a very popular place, but it's not the only place. So the soul then manages those expressions and those expressions, which of course is you and I, then feed back to the soul all of our experiences, all our learnings, all that we're experiencing. And that's how the soul learns. The soul learns through our connection. So, right. you know, that's my understanding of the soul. So I always call it the big boss, you know. Yeah, well, I, 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 I can roll with the big boss concept. Um, now, in your book, you did talk about those 12 bodies, but one of the things I didn't get clear on 
which I wanted to ask you is, are those 12 bodies like layers of our aura? Like the, 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 okay. Because I wasn't sure if you were suggesting that, because I'll, I'll lead into this, but there are many authors and teachers out there that I've studied that have said that you can actually be Ishtar right now and somewhere else in the universe, there's another aspect of your soul living a parallel life, but having very different experiences and that the soul does not have to live a linear time experience like Ishtar is only Ishtar birth to death and then she can become someone else. But, and a lot of the more, um, what's the right word for them? Uh, some of the people that are in your class, but they're more oriented towards quantum physics, talk about parallel dimensions, uh, many worlds type concepts. And that, and basically because God is infinite, we can be living a lifetime in another dimension of reality while we're simultaneous living here, but we're mostly only conscious of ourselves here, but that the soul's powerful enough to actually uh, give you, give itself the experiences of living multiple lives at any given time. I wonder what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. And as you know, as soon as the mind starts to delve into that, it starts to to stumble a bit because it's sort of a bit mind-boggling. But but I do totally agree with that. I think we, we do live you know, multiple experiences in multiple dimensions in, in, you know, and as we know, this is only linear time here. So, so there is no such thing as time. So everything, you know, past, present, future is, is really, um, happening all at once in a simultaneous way. And of course, as soon as we start to talk like that, the mind does start to go into la la land a bit because it struggles with that concept. Um, because it's not being trained to even, understand that concept but it's definitely occurring yeah i i had an experience in a shamanic journey i was using very powerful medicines and i was in about three to five times deeper than most human beings can handle without probably dying but all of a sudden i was on another planet in another experience altogether and i had a wife and kids and and it was very profound. It, it, it actually shocked me to my core because I found myself in another body, but I absolutely knew for sure it was me. I knew this woman. I knew my mm. children. Mm. And it was in a more native environment. I was living in a grass hut. I knew the whole, everybody in the village. They knew me. Yet here I was laying on the floor and I knew I was here too. And it really, like, it took me about two or three months to process that experience because I, I was like, wow, you know, that, that is so bloody wild. And if, if that's happening there, maybe I'm also other places as well, but I just don't know it. And I can see how, how we have to kind of have a fire. A firewall because what yeah. if you're driving a car and someone's throwing a spear at you in another dimension and you're dodging a spear and you kill yourself or crash into somebody That's right yeah managing multiple ma- managing multiple lives with the human mind is not always easy because uh, you know if you've got you're managing sort of 
you're connecting with maybe 10, what do you do with that in, in one yeah, moment? Yeah, yeah. You know? The mind wouldn't struggle with that. And 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 the thing is, I mean, I've done lots of taking people on lots of journeys. I've, I've done lots of spiritual journeys where they have had those connections. And, you know, they've been very, you know, I've led them through, not that I've shown them, they've actually experienced it through me holding the space for them. And, I've you know, I've done hundreds of those, more than hundreds, but where there is, a, you know, that connection and I've seen it time and time again. So, and it's not just past life, it's actually having a connection in a different planet, different place, you know, different things. And also not always in a human form. So, you know, we're not always being in human form. So that's been interesting too. That brings up a question that, that I'll put in that I didn't plan on talking about, but I want to bring it up with you because I, I, I would love to see what you think. You know, in my remote viewing, I've ran into many what we would call aliens hmm. and had full-blown conversations with them and learned things from them. And what I found was through all these experiences, which is too many to count now, is that right where we're sitting, right in our chair, there's many worlds that are on different frequency bands. And what I found is that the universe is so densely populated with life, but we only think of life as biological life, but we don't realize that if you could jump up to what I often refer to as another octave, you know, just like a dog can hear a dog whistle, but we can't, it's able to hear an octave above our hearing. So in a level of consciousness, there's octaves of life permeating everywhere. Right. I find it doesn't matter where you're at in, in the world. I mean, you can be sitting alone and if someone locked me in jail, like put me in solitary confinement, I would just be cruising around visiting <laughs> all my friends and, <laughs> And, you yeah. know, and it, I wouldn't be nearly as troubled by it as most people. Um, but I just wondered what your thoughts were on this concept of, of the experiences I'm describing of really God being so incredibly dense with life that it's everywhere. And it's just our senses and our the firewall of the ego that keeps us separate from it. And, and I'll finish my statement by saying somebody said something once that was quite profound. God created time so that everything doesn't happen all at once. So when you start moving out of the realm of time, you get into this sort of a singularity type experience, which can be very disconcerting for the conscious ego. Yes. Mm, and so um, it is. I've had, yes, I've had experiences of merging completely into the collective unconscious, and I can tell you, it is not for the lighthearted. No, not at all. I've had profound and 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 wild experiences, and and, and uh, an example is, um, I won't tell the whole story because I I don't want to lose time with you, but I, I I'd like to share it with you. I found myself immersed in the collective unconscious and I was simultaneously dying. I was making love. I was cooking. I was building. I was doing everything at once. And I, I felt like somebody had put a hand grenade in my stomach and it exploded. And I, I just, I really thought I was having a psychic breakdown, 
But fortunately, through all my work with medicines and meditation and remote viewing, I've learned to not get swept away, but to stay in witness position. So I was able to keep pulling back and just watch. And I didn't want to let go of it because it was a very profound experience. I managed to stay in there for about 10 or 20 minutes, probably I'm guessing 10 or 20 minutes because time acts weird. But I, I, I did tell friends of mine, if you ever had to go through that, you'd have to have billy goat balls because it is not an easy experience. Yeah, it's not. And, and that's one of the reasons the human mind's not created to sustain something like that, which is why people struggle sometimes with schizophrenia and their mental illnesses because those yes, firewalls. Yes, it's very, very schizophrenic. Yeah, as, as you say, those firewalls have come down. And not all of them, but some of them have come down. And so that really affects you, you know, because our, our, our human mind's just not created for that. But I'll, I'll share with you an experience that I had. We're sharing experiences. For those six years that I worked with the masters channeling on a Friday night, um, I worked with a couple of masters who actually did training with me. And, for example, um, every morning at 5 a.m. I had to get up. I, I was working then too. And every morning at 5 a.m. I had to get up, sit at my computer and just receive from them, you know, and they said some mornings nothing's going to happen, some mornings something's going to happen. I had to stay there for an hour and just type whatever came and walk away and close it down. I wasn't to read it. I wasn't to look at it. You know, those sort of trainings. And I also used to do a lot of medit, you know, a lot of meditative trainings with them and they take me on journeys. And one journey they took me on, which I remember very, very clearly. I've had lots of journeys and experiences with them was they took me out into the universe, right out in the stars and went out there. And they showed me this huge image of the Buddha sitting there. And I don't know, the one where the Buddha and he's got, and he had both his hands, the palms face up and he was immense. I mean, he was taking up the whole universe, you know, this Buddha sitting in the universe. And I was like, wow, you know, and they said, go and sit in the left hand of the Buddha. So I went and sat or stood actually. I stood in the left hand of the Buddha and I was like minute. I was minuscule. I was as small as an ant sitting in his hand and I could feel and sense me being that small sitting out in the universe, stars, planets, black holes, all around me on the hand of the Buddha, just sitting there. And then all of a sudden the whole universe started to spin. And I had this, a very similar experience to what you're, you're talking, whereas a lot of the creation energy, the wisdom of the universe within my mind started to open and that whole disconnection to time, to everything being simultaneous, to the whole creation energy, it was, it was a huge initiation for my mind to move out of that limitation of its linear self. And at that time, I think because I was so held by the frequency, I, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't frightened. I was just in this incredible expanse of energy. Um, and it was, it was, for me, it was an, ex an incredible experience of everything moving. And I was seeing everything in the universe being created, being destroyed, everything happening all around me. It was all happening everywhere. And I don't know how long I was there for, but then when I came back, um, I actually came into this sense of peace, but I know the masters always used to bring energy to me like that. And, and my whole way of thinking of my mind and limitation did change. I was able to open up to concepts that 
I could never open up to before because I could never understand it. And even though I couldn't even tell you I could understand things and can verbalise it, I, I understood it in another sense. So things shifted for me greatly when that happened. You know, that was about three or four years into my training with them. Yes, was, I've yeah. had similar experiences and, and I understand exactly what you're talking about. One of the most amazing Bioptimizers products I've ever used is Biome Breakthrough, which used to be called Leaky Gut Guardian. I can honestly say I use it every single day. I have a morning routine. I put a scoop in with two fresh squeezed limes. I put a little bit of other ingredients that I like in there. And I'll tell you what, if any of you have read my book, How to Eat, Move, and Be Healthy, and you know how to read your poops, well, Biome Breakthrough makes for some really nice poopy policemen. I've got Wade here to tell us what's so unique about it, but I want to tell you right up front, I love this stuff. I don't go anywhere without it, and I keep a lot of it on hand so I don't run out. So, Wade, what is it that's making that product so effective? Well, first and foremost, we have to look at what's happening in the population at large. And Harvard just released an extensive study demonstrating that virtually everyone has some degree of leaky gut. And that means the gut permeability of our intestines is leaking toxins into the system, which are causing immuno responses. Now, some people that's sneezing or allergies, but then it can move on to more inflammatory conditions. And anybody that's checked out your work understands this. The question is, how do you actually seal the gut so that you can stop this from happening? And we have a partnership with Birch International University in Croatia, where we have a team of PhD scientists working on this. And we've been able to combine a unique product called IGY Max, which is a patented egg-based product that enhances your gut health and reverses the damage that can be done by all these toxins that are leading to leaky gut. But when we combined it with some specific probiotics, they work synergistically together to be able to repair leaky gut and literally hours as opposed to going through an extensive protocol. Now, we can't stop ourselves from experiencing all the toxins in our world or food, air, water, you name it. It's coming from everywhere nowadays. So what we have to look at is, is well, how do we manage the damage, if you will, that we are taking, even if we're following, you know, the highest levels of, of food hygiene and, you know, conscientiousness. And so What's happened is Biome Breakthrough has been able to be proven in the lab and in folks. Research papers will be coming out very soon to demonstrate this. And that's why we've called it Biome Breakthrough. We're able to actually repair and stop the leaky gut from happening with the combination of IGY Max. It's a unique set of probiotics. And we're happy to deliver it to people. We're very excited. We can try it. It's a money back guarantee. If you don't feel better, if your poops aren't better, if you don't say, wow, my, my inflammatory conditions in my gut are going down. Uh, you get your money back. So it's real easy to get. You go to biomebreakthrough.com slash living40. You'll get put in Paul 10. You get a 10% discount on this and any other products that we supply at Bioptimizers. I can't recommend it enough. I love this stuff. And it actually tastes good too, which is unique. So thank you very much once again for making such an amazing product. I'm really excited to be able to offer it to everybody. Enjoy Biome Breakthrough. I think it's important for the whole family. What comes to my mind that I wanted to share with you, because I'm quite confident you've probably experienced this, my soul has taken me into the experience of God's desire to live, or what I would call the life force of the universe. Mm -hmm. And 
it's just mind-boggling the intensity of what I would call source's desire to experience itself as life. And I found, you know, like my soul would show me images of trees growing on cliffs mm. where there's no soil at all, but they're surviving storms and they've managed to make a home out of this completely uninhabitable place and and experiencing death, but how death never really dies. It just becomes something else. Mm. And it just, I guess the best analogy I could give is if you can imagine the biggest volcano you could possibly imagine and the intensity of it would be like the life force. And I've been taken into experiences where I'm like, if you can imagine sitting on top of a an artesian well that shoots up out of the ground like an oil gusher, and I'm right on the surface of this thing moving into timelessness. There's no time. It's like paint flowing towards a canvas, and it's about to hit. Hit and explode, yes. Mm. And the intensity of it is mind-boggling. I mean, like when you feel how powerful life force is, it's something altogether like there's I don't even have words for it. I just say that it's unstoppable. And you know, I call it the creation energy. I feel that my understanding is that it's this constant um consciousness that is constantly creating, always creating something. You know, and and it's it's and even it's not just happening in, in matter, it's happening in light. It's happening in, in, in pure light form as well. But there is this constant evolution of creation and it's happening, you know, even in our universe. Our universe is not contracting, it's expanding and it's getting, you know, bigger and bigger and more and more things are happening. And, and, it, and that incredible force that you feel also can be extremely chaotic and, and can be, you know, can create devastation as quickly as it creates, you know, life. Yes, so that's the scary part. <laughs> and, but it doesn't have any any separation between that. It's just creating, and it's not saying that destruction or or or, or life is any different. It's still creation energy. We put the 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 negative on it, but the creation force doesn't. It simply says this is just another experience of creation, and. And whether it's chaotic or whether it's peaceful, it's still creation forces, and that's really what it is. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I think I think also the concept of chaos is one that is confusing for a lot of people that haven't had these experiences. Because what I've been shown is that chaos is a relative proposition, because if you could see the patterns of order. Within the chaos, mm. you would not see chaos, you would see order. Mm. But because our human minds have their own conceptions of what is chaos and what is order, anything that the ego can't control, it labels as chaos. But when you study the creation myths of tribes from around the world, one of the most common themes that emerges is that life all began as chaos. But when I look at that and I say, well, look, but chaos made life. So how, how chaotic is it really? 
It's just that we don't understand it, so it becomes mm. chaos. Well, that was look at your, your analogy of the volcano, you know, that whole creation energy. Without the volcano, we wouldn't have life on this planet because it's it's created the islands, it's created the rich soil, it's created, you know, the, it's where, you know, look at Hawaii or any subtropical area. Everywhere there's chaos. There's, there's been volcanoes. We have all over Australia, we have dead volcanoes that have created the land masses. Um, without those volcanoes, which are chaotic at times, spewing forth all that, you know, fire and lava and everything, there's always new growth out of that. So out of that destruction comes huge new growth. Um, I think that's an important there. concept for right now because it seems like the world's in chaos. Hmm. But at the same time, I think you can't create something new unless you transform what's in the way of it. So it seems to me that as kind of scary and ugly as it can be on the surface with all the political control and the games and the drama, and nobody knows better than you, you're in Australia. Um, it, it seems to me like we're in a birthing process and that what has to come out of it is something that's harmonious with the earth for too many reasons that I don't need to mention to you, obviously, but I think it would probably help a lot of people if they realize that we're, we're going through a birth canal into um, an awakening, an initiation process, a revitalization, a clearing away of the old, um, how do you feel about that? Well, you're quite right. And this happens, you know, humanity's always going through new initiations. And as we all know, we're moving into a new era. I, I always remind people that, you know, this new era is going to last for about, I think it's like, I can't remember the exact time, like 2,700 years or something or other. So it's not going to happen, you know, it's not a push-button automatic, it's all going to happen overnight. <laughs> it's not birth in an instant? No, no, no. You can't birth in an instant. You can't microwave it? <laughs> well, we could try. A lot of us want to try. Um, but, but it is that initiation that we're moving through. And I always say now, you know, it's, it's, this is the seeding time. This is the time when we plant seeds because these seeds are going to grow. And this is truly the seeding time for humanity in this initiation. But as we all know, when there's growth, when there's new things to learn, when we have to let go of things, we, that growth can be painful at times. Uh, because oh, yes. we're so resistant to letting go of the old ways. And so, you know, everything that's happening is is coming up for us to look at and say, well, you know, are we going to keep this? Are we going to let this go? What are we going to do with it? It's giving us an opportunity to choose because, after all, we do have free will here and we forget that. We think we haven't. But in truth, it's the only power we have is our free will and our free will is our choice. What are we going to do with this? And, and, and it... Each one of us has to make that decision. You know, each one of us has to make that decision. So there's, there's a channel I got from Mary Magdalene just recently that says that. Oh, Manic good. I love that. <laughs> I've, I've had her come to me in a vision. Oh, have you? Um, oh, good. Yes. It was quite shocking and profound and beautiful. So I want to hear what you've got to say. Well, she's saying that heart of humanity, I'll read it because I kept it here for you. Um, is walking into a new era of consciousness upon earth that will gently awaken in the times to come as each one of us, being all of you, 
and me and everyone chooses to manifest all that we are on the earth. And that means all that we are, all the consciousness that we are. She says that when you have released all separation and duality held in your thoughts, your beliefs, your programs, and the contracts, which is our attachments to how things must be with others, then you are free to be all that you are on earth. You will no longer sit in limitation. You will illuminate and enlighten. You will walk in the mastery of your divine self in the new consciousness upon earth. So she's saying it's about each one of us has to do something. It's not everyone point. They have to do it. Those people over there have got to do it. We do this all the time. Point the finger at them, whoever the them are, and they must change. But the thing is what the masters keep telling us that it actually we're part of a collective. Each one of us is part of the collective. We call it humanity. Humanity. Hugh, the word Hugh means God. Manna means something from God, nourishment from God, the bread from God, the gift from God. So that's who we are. We are the gifts from God. We are part of that collective. And each one of us creates what this collective is all about. So it means that each one of us has to do our own work, our own inner work and come into our own centre and our own hearts and be all that we are. Each one of us has to illuminate and enlighten to create change. It's not something that those people over there have to do. It's actually what each one of us has to do. And, you, and you, you just made me think of something interesting. Um, Hugh, Mana, my son's name, my second son is Mana. Oh, right. Well, there you go. The gift from yeah, God. Yeah, he's my, gift from my God. little mana, my Ooh. gift from God. Gift from God. Yeah. And he's a powerful little dude. Oh, I'm sure he is. Mm. Um, I'm curious. <clears throat> I'd love it if you can share the process. If, there, if there's something other that you can share than what you have. But specifically, I would love to hear how did it, how did the unfolding of you making contact with your own soul happen how did you go from being the journalist the the woman that you used to be to coming into a visceral palpable real sense of contact and relationship with your soul can you describe how that unfolded for you yes I'm going to start with when I was younger, when I was young, and I'm talking about very young, I was very much in contact with my soul. I was I was a child that stood out on my front lawn and called to the Martians to come and get me because I really, truly, really, truly believed that they had left me behind. Yeah, well, I'm, <laughs> I'm with you there. <laughs> and I couldn't understand there. why they'd left me behind. And I was positive my parents had adopted me. didn't matter that I looked just like my parents. Didn't matter to me. <laughs> but at six years of age, I was so positive that I was part of Mars and really need to go to Mars and not be on Earth. But that was that was my, my youth. And I do know that I was very connected with my soul. And then I lost my connection. I closed it down because I just got on with life, so to speak. Um, I had a soul awakening in my 40s and then got guided very much to move on. And how did that happen? It just happened. My soul began to speak to me, you know, in not in words, but just in energy. And I got guided to just do things that kept me, you know, that connected me with my soul consciousness. And 
so I then did courses and I and I found teachers that connected me with my soul consciousness. I had that yearning. And I think everybody who is listening understands that yearning. There's something that just grows in you that yearns for this connection that, that nothing else is going to fulfill. You know, we chase it in other people, in our lovers and our partners and whatever for a while. But but even that doesn't fulfill us because it's the soul yearning and the soul wants that connection and it it, it's, it illuminates within us. Now, in in my teaching, there's a soul body and it's an energy body, part of our field, that actually doesn't usually anchor until about the age of 30 within within the physical self. So it doesn't, which means it's not fully present with us on earth until that age. We may have a connection to it. We may know it's around, but we don't actually, it doesn't actually fully manifest itself until we hit about 30, which is, of course, right in the middle of our Saturn return. But but also, too, it may never manifest in ourselves because we actually have to make a choice to open to our soul. It's not going to force itself on us. And I think this is something that everyone needs to understand. The masters will never force themselves on you. Um, the angels, no being will ever force themselves on you. They'll come to you and ask if you're willing to open to a connection. And if you are, wonderful. But if you're not, there's no judgment that they'll step back, they'll walk away. And this is the same with your soul. If your soul comes to you and says, hey, I'm here to connect, and you're saying, no, I don't want to connect, the soul will step back. It won't force itself on you. But it's, if there's a yearning in your heart, you're going to say yes. You might be frightened, you might have doubts, but you're still going to open. And the soul, when invited, comes in. And so it's, it's a matter of choice. Um, but the yearning within you helps you to have that choice. And then, of course, ongoing, I was very blessed to have the masters because those six years of really in-depth training that I had with them really opened my connection. And so I was, which is what I hand on to my students now because I give them that connection. Well, yeah, well, you know, I know for sure it works having been around Joe, you know. <laughs> uh, you know, because Joe and I have been good friends and working together for at at least 20 years. I don't know how long, a long time. You know, I started coming to Australia in 1995 and here we are in 2022. So I don't know, 90, how, how long ago is 95? It's a long time ago. It's 20 something years, 20 plus years. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I mean, I'm, I remember Joe when she was a young girl yeah. just starting out as a personal trainer and now she's a very mature, wise woman. I've seen her become a television personality and a, a chef and, and just like, I've watched her just evolve so much. And it's interesting because she, from, I don't know how long she's been working with you, but I remember when she first started and I, I, I got to watch the metamorphosis of her. And, you know, I certainly taught her a lot of things, but there was things that were happening in her that I know came from you because her way of relating, her way of communicating and expressing herself were not things that I was conveying to her. It was almost like I was getting surprised. Like, <laughs> like if one of your children sat down with a piece of paper and drew a piece of art that was so damn good, you're like, what the hell just happened? And I would have these experiences with mm. Joe. I'm like, Jesus Murphy, what is going on with her? Mm. You know, there's something 
big opening up inside of Joe and it kept happening and happening and happening. I'm like, geez, I hope she doesn't explode. <laughs> She's getting so big. Yeah. Well, Joe has, Joe has, and you know, and that's the beauty of you, as you know, Paul, watching any of your students, you know, for a while they swim on the surface, you know, they're dog paddling, they're doing all of that. And then one day when they make the choice to dive deeply and really open up to receive, then so much shifts for them. And it's so exciting to watch that. You know, it's so exciting to celebrate that. And you see that with your students. I see it with mine. And we do see them. We see them dog paddling. We see them, surf, you know, swimming on the surface for quite a while, you know. And then one day, boom. And we, and how did that happen? They made a choice because it's not just what I share or what you share. It's about them making a choice. And when they make that choice and commit, so much happens because they open to receive that consciousness. And when they do that, then everything of their own being steps in to support them. Yeah. And that brings me to my next question. Uh, um, aside from what we've just discussed, I, I'd love it if you could share some examples of what you've seen happen or how people have changed, specifically after they got their soul ray reading. Like, we'll get into it, mine in a bit. Um, and I'm not talking about necessarily your students. I'm talking about maybe people that do your online. It's the Universal Soul Rays course, right? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So mine like anybody listening could go do that course and get the same information that I got through Joe. Um, what are some of the things you've seen happen in people when they actually got their Soul Ray reading? And and how did that change their life? Yeah. Well, it changes people's lives because <laughs> because what we're talking about is the universal rays. And I've just got to give a little bit of background before I go into yeah, it. Yeah, please. Yeah, I'd love it. I'd love Go ahead and, and give us the understanding of what the rays are. Yeah. Well, the masters came to me about oh, 15 years ago, 13 years ago, I can't remember the time, and asked me to to go and talk about the universal rays. Now, I have to tell you I had no interest in the universal rays. I didn't know what they were, had no interest in them, hadn't read anything about them. And I said to them, oh, well, I don't really know about this. I don't really know about this at all. And they said, well, you know, we want you don't need to know about it. We know about it. You need to just go and channel it, you know. So um, I'm very good at doing what they asked me. So I said, all right, I'll give it a go. So you off I job? went. <laughs> off I went. I went to Sydney, then I went to New York, and then I went to London, and then I went to Geneva. And I was channeling all about the rays. Now, when I first started, um, I didn't have a great deal of interest in it, and only a few people were coming. And then suddenly I'm listening to what they're channeling, and I'm getting it transcribed, and I'm reading, and I'm going, wow, this is really interesting stuff, you know, <laughs> no idea. And so I got interested and, of course, then, of course, lots of people got interested. And then after about 18 months of me doing that, uh, they came, the masters came to me and said, all right, now we want you to create a healing program from this. And I, once again, you can get the pattern with me now, Paul. I'm saying to them, <laughs> I'm saying to them, no, I never want to start. I don't want to teach a healing program. That's not what I do. <laughs> You know, I'm not a healer. You know, I was doing healing work, but I'm not a healer, a teacher of healers. You know, that's not my role. You know, all of these things. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and they say no, no, no. So then they give me this healing program, and that you know, and then I had to do all these codes, which was also not my thing. 
And that was, I, I was like, I can't do this. And I was sitting at the dining room table for months trying to channel these codes because I had such resistance to it. But anyway, I've, they all flowed through and they're quite amazing now. But, you know. They are. I've seen them. Just, just, looking, just looking at them affects you. It's you know? really, but it, it was, reminds me of biogeometry signatures yeah. and how powerful they are. But when it was I like pulling seeing, teeth for me because it wasn't. I was I was brought up with the belief that I can't draw. So you know, yeah, just, well, uh, <laughs> you know, which brings up an important point yeah. here. You see, the fact that you can't draw, but what comes out of you, if that's not evidence that you're channeling higher consciousness yeah. or higher beings, it would be like it would be like. If all of a sudden my son woke up and he was a world-class hockey player, mm. but yesterday he couldn't even hold a hockey stick. stick yes. Yeah. You know, like so you, you, yeah, you, you know, for the listeners, I'm saying like, if you can see the kind of stuff that comes out of Ishtar or read her books or see what my student Joe produces, like th these, <laughs> these codes are, it's yeah, like she's you're a code reading. Master. Yeah. She's yeah. It's like you're reading. Um, it would be as though. You'd walk into a Muslim mosque with, you know how they have just the most gorgeous art and Hebrew yeah, that's right. on mm. the walls, and it's stunningly beautiful. I mean, like when I look at what's coming through Joe, I'm like, my God, I've, I've got a, a, a friend who's a very powerful shaman and channeler, my God, when he channels, it's like, I wouldn't want too many people to be around. The amount of energy that comes through him, it's intense. And this guy does art freehand in Ishtar. It is mind-boggling. It, it's like Joe's codes, but he's doing these five-foot canvases, and you look at it, and you cannot look at that art without having an, a, a very powerful experience. In fact, he brought five pieces of art he'd never shown to anybody over to the house recently for a ceremony that I had a quiet ceremony with just one of my buddies. And I said, my God, I have got to go. I had two of my friends here. Angie was here. I think we had three, three people here visiting that were helping us work on the property. And I asked him permission to let, I said, I just need you to let my friends see this. This is such a, this is such a rare experience to be able to see art like this. One of my buddies, Ishtar, walked in the door, and the first thing he did, and I watched him, not even conscious that he did it, he got down on his knees in front of one of those paintings and just started to pray mm, instantly, like, like, like he had seen God. So when you see stuff like that coming through somebody, you have got to come to the realization that you're just going to deny the reality that's in front of you, or there's something very profound going on. And when I see profound things going on, I get really curious. I'm like, well, I need to <laughs> look down that rabbit hole, baby. But anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just, I just wanted to make the point that this is an example of how you know that what's coming through someone like you is real. Hmm. Well, it's a bit like my singing and sounding. I do, I sound a lot of ancient prayers when I channel. And um, I've always grown up with the belief I can't sing. I was kicked out of the choir because I was told I can't sing when I was in school. So for the masters, you know, 
started, this is years ago, started to get me to make these sounds and come out with ancient prayers. And I'm like, I can't sing, but when they're channeling, I don't have a choice. It just comes through, you know. So now I'm used to it, but still, you know, I, there's that thought, I can't sing, I can't sound, but I can do it when I channel. So it's the same thing, it's, you know, codes. All my experiences with the masters have pushed all my buttons and pushed all my limitations. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I know exactly the kind of experiences you're talking about. There's no comfort zone. There's no comfort zone allowed. So, but coming back to the universal rays, the uni- and this comes back to what you were talking about with the creation energy, the volcanoes, that there's always a purpose, you know, whether, you know, and it's the whole consciousness of source or God always has intentional purpose. We don't always understand what that is and we often misread it thinking it's something wrong, but it always has some sort of higher purpose. There is a higher, there's always some sort of potential there that we don't always understand. And the universal rays are about the order of that purpose. They are actually called the principles of creation of this universe in matter. So, it's 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 saying to you these are the principles of how that creation energy needs to flow for it to be at its highest potential basically that's what each of the rays say this is the highest potential and the lowest potential for this consciousness and the masters say that for us as souls we meet with our ascension council in between each incarnation and we look at what we've been doing and what the soul chart's about and we look at how we're going because some of these potentials um, mean a mastery. We need to master something. There's three rays that we need to master, three intentions or purposes we need to master, and there's um, four ways of doing that. There's four ways of experience. And in each each way of experiencing it, you're going to learn something that will take you into your mastery. So that's what's that's what they do. They are the the whole, um, you know, creation potentials, uh, or the principles of those potentials that are available to each one of us. Um, and and so the soul chart's telling you what your potential is here, or what your highest potential is, and what your lowest potential is, and and gives <laughs> and you an opportunity <laughs> to make a choice. You know where you want to sit with that. Yeah. So you know we can have a look at your chart if you want. Well, yeah, we can. I want to do that. But but I'd love it first if you could tell us what are some of the things you've seen happen to people. Oh, sorry. I didn't. I didn't get After they get that. their reading and they, they all of a sudden are, shall we say, confronted with the reality of what their soul's, shall we say, energetic blueprint is. Because that's kind of what the rays are telling you if I chose words. So what happens to people when they finally realize who they are? People get people have mixed emotions, but really overall they're pretty excited by this understanding. And they often you know, one of the big things I see in the in in these principles, we have a soul ray and we have an ego ray. And we often see that people are following that ego ray. And they're often really challenged by that, or it's a burden, or it's causing them a lot of heartache. And then we say, but in truth, this is your soul ray. This is where your your real mission is. This is you know, they think their ego raised their mission, but when we explain that their soul raised their mission, I've often seen this huge, like a weight's been lifted from their shoulders because they've never known that. 
and they're so in, focused on the ego consciousness that they've not been aware of the soul consciousness and this whole burden goes, oh, oh, that makes me feel so much better because there's a part of me that yearns for that but I keep thinking that I have to do this and and that's that ego control. The other thing is, is, is we call it the monad ray which is actually their karmic ray and it tells them what karma, what 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 energy they need to really focus on in this lifetime to let go of in many areas of their experience. And for them to understand that and to know that, it's it's that this is what's limiting them. This is what's causing them to be, you know, unable to see their potential. And if they just shifted this, then if they really chose to to work to shift this, then so much more is going to open up for them. And often we can see uh, if that's affecting different areas of their life, like their emotional life or their um, mental or their physical. See, I see that you haven't got that, but some people have their karmic ray in a couple of those areas and it really limits them in, say, their physical life or their mental life or their emotional life. And we also have the ancestral ray, which you haven't got here. I don't know. I'm just looking at yours. But... Um, the ancestral ray, that's all right. But the ancestral ray is, you know, that whole ancestral lineage, the last seven lifetime, uh, last seven generations. And often that can be also very limiting because it's often reflected back in other areas of our life where it's, you know, we can see where the old ancestral energy is also affecting us. And sometimes we get, we get to see where as a soul, we actually created that karma on our ancestral lineage, you know, in another lifetime when we were maybe great-great-great-grandfather or grandmother or great-aunt or great-uncle or whatever it might have been, we have created something that's been traumatic and it's created karma and it's now feeding down the generational um, lineage and it's now affecting us in this lifetime and we really need to do something about that, not just for us but for the whole ancestral line. So we can see things like that as well. So, you know, when we can explain that to people, often this, you know, this huge burden comes off them. I've got to tell you this funny story. A few years back, we went to a mind-body-spirit festival in Sydney and in Melbourne. It's a big one here in Australia. And we had our stall right opposite the psychic area where all the psychics do the readings, you know which can be full on because there's a lot of energy that sits there, you know, all this psychic energy going everywhere. And um, we had all our codes up on the wall and we were showing about universal rays. And we were doing these little short mini soul charts. We just did the first three, the mastery ones, the soul, the karma and the ego. And we were just doing those because we didn't have time to do to do big ones with lots of people. But all the psychics were, were drawn to the codes. They were really drawn to the codes. <laughs> I bet. And and they were all coming to us. All the psychics were coming for these little mini readings. And so many of them had what I see is also your soul ray, is soul ray too. And when we were explaining that to them, they just were going, oh, my goodness, you know, aha, you know, there was this huge aha in their being. Because I hadn't seen that before, and and I was saying, well, you know, this is what you do when this, you've got this. Is this how you play out in your, re particularly in their relationships? You know, a lot of them had it in their ego, you know, and it was playing out in their ego. And um, 
and it was happening in their relationships and things. And I'm saying, this one, oh, yes, you know, this is what happens in all my relationships. And so many of them had that rage, that ego ray too in their relation, and it was affecting so much in their life. Um, so it was really amazing to see that, you know, it was very exciting to see that. It was all very similar when you could, you know, we were doing hundreds a day, you know, so we could see. Some yeah. Do you need my ancestral ray? I can dig it up or you've probably got no, enough. No, no, I, can, enough I can, yeah, we've got enough here. I know. just thought it would be fun just so the listeners can yeah. kind of get a sense of what a reading looks like. So go ahead and unveil the dragon of Paul Check. <laughs> okay, so we're going to have a look at this. We're going to see when Paul met with his Ascension Council before he popped into this incarnation to assist us all and support us all to grow and evolve as he also was going to grow and evolve through his experience with all of us. This is what he chose to work with, with his Ascension Council. And they would have said to him, hey, Paul, you know, you need to look at this, this mastery. He's got the soul mastery, which would have been his soul mastery for a few lifetimes because um, the master numbers don't change all that much. So you would have had this and you're probably going to have it for another few lifetimes because it's a big mastery you've chosen as your soul, very big. But most of his other numbers have been experiences. And so what the Ascension Council said, well, he, Paul, you know, here's a few experiences you can have that would help you to come into this mastery. What do you reckon? Which ones do you want to put in there? And where do you want to put them so that you can have the most benefit from them? So he would have chosen these, his soul and his consciousness would have chosen these. And he's chosen a, a master number in his physical because he wants to really work through some really big mastery in his physical. So that's one of the things he's chosen to come into, which is going to help him also to come in here with his mission and his soul mastery and his soul mission. So let's look at his. I'm going to start. I don't always start, but I want to start with Paul's soul mission. Paul's soul mission is all about unconditional love. It's opening up to that huge mastery of unconditional love, which is an enormous mastery to take on. And that's it why is. it takes, yeah, that's why it takes a few Especially lifetimes. with an ego. <laughs> yeah, right. But that's the whole point. And so this is his mastery and he's very focused on it because it's his major master number. He hasn't really got in these main areas any other. So this is his main mission and his focus. It's his soul mission. So through him mastering this, this, this consciousness of unconditional love, he's going to, that's going to, that's his mission, which is going to help his soul evolve and grow but it's also going to because it's unconditional love it's also going to be shared with other beings and I'll, there's a few things in his chart that show why he's going to do that so the unconditional love our understanding of unconditional love is actually there's process to unconditional love there's steps to it and the first things are is this whole learning of unconditional love is to come into Honoring and acknowledging what is. Now we start always with ourselves because honoring who we are, our self-love. So there's that whole un wanting to understand ourselves, wanting to really connect with all that we are. It's really important and to honor that and to acknowledge it. So Paul's got this wonderful, curious mind that brings him into that. And then to accept all that we are, you know, it's coming to that huge acceptance. So, um, he's really, wanting to do that he wants to come into that acceptance of himself on all levels not just you know the, the the basic level but on all levels and then finally to embrace all of that that he discovers whatever that might be to embrace it and bring it in and really 
you know, hold it to himself and say, yeah, this is all of me, whether it be light, whether it be shadow, whatever it is, and to really understand it and bring it to his light and say, this is me. This is all that I have created of me over all time, space and dimension. And everything Paul's talked about really talks to that. You know, you can see that. That's really his big understanding of himself. So how does he do that? He's got a ray three in his physical, which is ray three is another master number. It's in his physical area of, of living. So it's not his main focus, but to have a ray three in the physical tells me ray three is all about creation potential. It's all about really living his potential, moving out of limitation, moving out of anything that's going to block him, that's going to stop him. And it's really bringing in ideas, new ideas, new ways of being. It's opening up to the whole creation potential. Now, that's the potential of Ray 3. You're either in the limitation of it or you're in the opening of it. And he's doing that through his whole physical life, through his physical body, through his physical environment, through his physical self, um, through his work, through his career, because that governs career, the physical governs career, through his home through everything that he that he experiences in the physical. So what an amazing choice to make to be mm-hmm, doing I'm glad. To be doing that that in the physical, but how is you know, and that's gonna help him open up to himself, to this amazing um connection to to the love of himself, to the honoring of all that he is on all levels, and really embracing that. And and and, and so those two masteries really meet each other. So that physical choice that he made, the, the, I'm going to master this creation potential in my physical self, everything to do with physical self, I'm going to master that there and to help my soul mission. So he made that choice to help his soul mission, you know. I mean, the other alternative, he could have, he could have said, he could have made a choice and said, well, I've got Ray 3 here, but I'm going to stay in the limitation of it. I'm going to stay in it. I can't do this. Um, this is not possible for me. Um, this is the other, you know, the other side of that. He could have chosen that level of the Ray 3, but he didn't. He's chosen to do it through the higher level, to have those experiences. And that would have been challenging for him because there would have been a voice that said, you can't do this, that's not possible. Who do you think you are? You're not going to make your dreams. There would have been a little voice saying that to him every time he pushed those boundaries. Every step of the way of my life, people were telling me, that'll never work, you can't do that. Yeah. You'll never amount to anything. And the the soul in me just said, watch. <laughs> <laughs> well, the whole physical, that choice you made, that you brought that consciousness in and so that you could evolve into embracing all that you are. And that was the whole thing and you made that choice and such an amazing thing and that was your challenges. But the thing is, is that little voice that says you can't, it's not going to happen, you have to really acknowledge that within yourself and embrace it and really accept it. That's part of who you are. Somewhere in you there's a little voice that, you know, feels that it's limited at times and you need to maybe that's your child self. Maybe, you know, there was stuff happening in childhood um, that created that voice for you. And so you need to embrace that small little child self that does that and, and honour that child self and bring that child self back to life and really love it, not get angry with it or judge it or whatever because it's sitting there and making that you know talking to you you need to really honor that and that's part of your soul mission is to honor that so there you go 
Hi, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show as much as I am. I love my guests and I love you enough to tell you about Symbiotica's new amazing product called NMN. And in fact, it's so new, I don't really know much about it. So I said, Sherveen, I need to get you in here and tell me about this product so I know how to use it. So you get to sit in right now as Sherveen tells me about this amazing new product. Sherveen, why should we be taking NMN? So NMN stands for nicotinamide mononucleotide, and it's the main precursor to NAD, which we find in every cell, and it's what helps charge up the mitochondria in the body. It's used for every aspect of our entire life. Yes. Vision, mitochondria, mitochondria, which is the true wealth. Energy source. It's our energy storage. So we were able to source pure NMN and we have a whopping 400 milligrams per serving in there. And typical Symbiotica style, we wanted to make this into a complex. First off, it's a delayed release, number one. So the capsules are delayed release. We have apigenin in there, which is from chamomile, which is a powerful antioxidant. Green tea extract, L-theanine. Resveratrol in the trans-resveratrol form, which there's a lot of science that shows that there's a synergy between those two compounds, NMN and resveratrol. We also have coffee bean extract in there. This right here, you know, you want to get on top of your aging. You want to start slowing cellular aging. Mm -hmm. We know now that we have a chronological age, but we also have a biological age. Yes, absolutely. One person who's 50 could really be 35 biologically and vice versa. Mm -hmm. This is a very powerful way to slow down the aging process and in fact, possibly even reverse it to some people. I take it every day on the rise. It's energy. It's cellular energy. You can feel it. Everyone's you know coming out with their testimonials saying, wow, they've never felt energy like this. They've stopped drinking coffee and using stimulants. It's powerful stuff, man. So if I enjoy my coffee, is it going to make me want to stop? No, it'll actually balance your coffee. I probably won't need as much. (laughs) Probably not. Fortunately for my only do one shot a day, that's my absolute limit. So it's great to know that there's a product out there. Particularly, I love the concept of, of a natural stimulation for the mitochondria because a lot of people, you know, the number one reason for physician visits worldwide is fatigue. Absolutely. Chronic fatigue system, which could be thousands of things. Yes. And it's probably just an overrun immune system and cellular de-integrity. Yeah. And a lack of just nutritional variety and, and quality nutrition, which is what I love about all your products are all organic and they come from healthy soils and they're all formulated extremely well. And uh, I use them all and I love them. And I'm excited to try this one because at 60 years of age, I could use a little mitochondrial boost so I can keep up with my kids and my dogs. We're going to get you to about 28, 29 years young Yeah. after a couple of rounds of this. Cool. Well, I'm already there biologically, so you got to <laughs> get right. me even younger than that. Okay. We'll go for 18. Yeah. Love it. All right. Well, there you go. If you want your... NMN and some anti-aging and an energy boost and some uh, several other health benefits, give it a try. You can't do anything but get younger and feel better. So go to symbiotica.com, C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. And as a Living 4D listener and partner in making the world a better place, I've arranged for you to have a 15% discount on NM, excuse me, NMN, little tongue twister there, NMN. And you can use that 15% discount on any of Symbiotica's amazing products. The formula will help you pronounce it a lot better too. Oh, good. Well, that's yeah. that's the sign I needed. <laughs> if you can't say NMN three times quickly, you need the product. I think we're all stuck with M&Ms. Yeah. Right? <laughs> all right, guys. Love you. Enjoy the product. Symbiotica.com. Check 15 on checkout. Enjoy your youth. So the ego. Now, he's got an experience... Um, Ray and his ego. So 
the the four, it's it's Ray Four, and Ray Four is all about harmony and balance or chaos and conflict. So he's got an he's got a choice here. He can his ego is going to go into conflict and 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 chaos. He's going to have conflict with people, drama with people, chaos with people, or in his life, or he's going to choose peace and harmony. So there's it's a seesaw. So the I've had a lot of conflict. Yeah, I bet chaos. <laughs> so there's a lot of. But I had to learn. Yeah, I did, did. I did learn, and I have learned. So it, it it had a purpose, but I'll tell you, I rode I rode in a lot of rodeos. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and so that soul comes in and says, "Come on, Paul, we're going to honor this part of ourselves that keeps choosing this drama. We're going to embrace this part of ourselves. We're going to accept that it's there, and we're going to bring it back to life." So that's what he's doing. He works to do that. So that he doesn't so go on into that. But the other good thing about the Ray Four and the ego pushes him to be a healer. The Four is about the healer self. The Four is also about a huge connection with the Earth and Mother Earth. Um, it brings him into. It, that's what the good thing about that is. When you're in that conflict and drama, there is if you've opened to that connection, you're centered, you're grounded in Mother Earth, and it helps to pull you back out of the abyss. So it does. Yeah. And, and that's what that Ray Ford does. It gives him and he can easily go into that, um, wonderful healer ability that he's got. And that's the Ray Ford is always about the healer, always about that connection to Mother Earth and really understanding that, you know, you're on that seesaw of either peace and harmony or conflict and drama. And it can easily pull you into the drama and all the stories and all the stuff. Or you can come out of that, become centered, like Mother Earth, be centered, be one, and come back to peace again in your heart. It's a choice and it's the learning of, you know. And, of course, that's what healing's all about, as you know. Healing's all about not about fixing anything. Healing's about where there's something that's not in balance, it needs to be brought back into balance, and that's when healing occurs. So it's the Ray 4 experience is all about that. You have to go into imbalance to understand how to come back into balance. And and that's what your ego is doing. It's learning through that. And the more you come into that balance, um, the more you center in the earth, the more you understand Mother Earth. And, you know, so no wonder you're on the land. You know, a Ray Four could never live in a high-rise apartment. Not possible, No, they drive you know. me crazy. When I, when I used to travel all over the world, Ishtar, I would feel... Um, like I'd lost, like a kite with a, that lost its tail. I would feel so uprooted and it was so hard for me to be on the road. Penny and I lived on airplanes for 25 years. Yeah, no, you wouldn't have liked And I just felt like I was dying inside. I was like, I told Penny, I said, I've got to stop traveling or I'm going to get sick. Something bad's going to yeah, happen. I'm going to ruin right. everything I stand for. I said, if the Institute goes broke, it's okay. I have got to stop moving and be on the earth or I can't, or I'm not going to function. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm cracking up. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's evident by that Ray four, you know, you've got that there. And then I see that at the moment you've got Ray 11. Now Ray 11 is the support Ray. It's Kuan Yin. And Kuan Yin is actually brings you out of limitation. Kuan Yin opens you up to the new. So at the moment you're being asked, in your ego to open up to new ways of being, new ways of seeing, new everything. You're being asked to open to a new way of being in yourself. And that's what she does. This is a new time. It's an, on the bridge for the new era. And she's asking you to walk across that bridge. 
I got to tell you something funny. When Joe told me that, when she did the reading, I said, Joe, you've been coming to my office for years. Do you remember what my fountain looks like? And she says, no, remind me. I said, it's Quan Yin. <laughs> I've got a fountain right over here that's about 200 pounds of stone. Wow. It's Quan Yin holding a bowl in which the fountain pours water. I've had it with me for 15 years. And I've just always, Wonderful. the day I saw that fountain, I fell in love with it. And so she sits right here next to me every day and I blow smoke to her and tell her I love her. And, and then so when Joe told me that, I went, that's just the wildest thing. So she's with you very much. And that's why. And she's with you and, and saying to you, hey, there's a bridge, you know, there's a new way of being, there's a new way of thinking. This is the bridge. You need to walk across it. So that's what she's saying to your ego self. The ego self needs to walk across that bridge. And then, of course, your monad, which is the karmic consciousness you hold. It's always the karmic consciousness. So that's the Ray 7. The Ray 7 is, funnily enough, St. Germain. And, um, oh, it's, good. <laughs> yeah, Ray 7 is St. Germain. And his, con I love St. Germain. Um, and his consciousness is about, firstly, about the spiritual path. And to walk the spiritual path, go as deep as you can. That's his, his, what he's saying to you. Over the years, there would have been resistance to doing that because there was a resistance to that. Resistance to change at times, um, of finding that place where, you know, that four and the seven would have struggled because the four likes to be in one place. The seven is, is, you know, is, is changing. But also about changing for the sake of change. Now, in that seven, there can be that karmic energy where often we just change because we think we need to fix something or we're judging something or we haven't come into acceptance. And when we've got that two in your soul where you're being asked to stop, honour what is, whatever it is, whether whatever you're judging it, honour it, accept it and embrace it means embrace means brings it back to light so you can't bring anything back to light until you've actually acknowledged it and accepted it so you can't bring anything back to light that you're struggling with you need to come into a place of non-struggle with it so this way seven in your monad talks about that karmic energy of often wanting to change just for the sake of change because of fear sometimes we fear stuff sometimes we judge it um and so we just want to change it because we're judging it. It shouldn't be like this. It should be like this. So all of that, that's the karmic consciousness of race seven is, is coming into that and that resistance to that, that change. Sometimes we fear change. Um, and, and that comes in. It's race seven is very much, of course, what's happening with humanity at the moment. Um, guiding it to the spiritual path, but there's a lot of resistance. Um, the ego often is struggling with that spiritual path because as you said, at the outset of our discussion today, that the ego is, is, is fearful of, you know, losing itself. So, you know, of no longer being there. So there can be that resistance to really diving deep in the spiritual path. But I, I feel very much in the karma you need to look as there's shadows, any shadow of consciousness that is held there where you're changing things just because you don't like them, just because you don't, you think they're wrong. Are you wanting to fix things because it doesn't agree with you in some way? And this is, we're not talking about your personality necessarily. This could just be a, a, a shadow consciousness that's sitting there. That's usually our shadow comes from a past life. It doesn't come from this life. 
um, or it can come from our inner child, it can come from old parental, you know, training, but that'll often show in your ancestral more than in your monad. So it could be that that whole um, even a warrior self that's sitting there because the warrior holds karma and it just wants to to you know get rid of things, wants to change things because it doesn't think that's right. And so it's pushing it out of the way. So that's old karma. And it's saying to you to be mindful of that and to work with any part of you that may hold that, you know? It's been tough with this pandemic because oh, yeah. exactly what you're describing, you know, because up. I'm an, I'm a elite soldier. I was trained well. I was a paratrooper and, and, you know, when I look at what's going on in the world, I keep saying, where are the soldiers? Why are they not taking the, the, the bad guys and putting them away because they're, they're threatening the whole world right now. So I get caught quite heavily between the warrior wanting to go out and enter the battle and my soul saying, you will only get your own energy back if you enter the battle. So to, to win the battle, you have to put that much energy out, but that's exactly what will come back at you. So ultimately, it leads to just mass destruction. That's right. In other words, I'm ju justifying it for the good. They think they're right. But when the two forces meet, it's just a lot of death. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's been tough for me because I didn't realize how strong the warrior was in me until the day they announced the pandemic. And I said to the girls, whatever's going on right now is wickedly dangerous. It's a, a big farce. And whoever's got the money to pull this big of a scam on humanity has the money to do a lot of damage. So I am very concerned about what this is all about. And as I learned more and more, I got more and more angry and more and more like I started calling elite soldier friends and saying, why are you guys not doing anything about this? And, I, you know, I'll, I'll leave it there, but I'll just say you're right, because there's something inside of me that wants to protect and defend the rights and the freedoms of human beings and life itself. And the more I looked into who's behind this and what their motives are, the more the warrior just got turned on. And But the spiritual part of me says, you better handle this spiritually because that's what you came here to learn. So now's your chance. <laughs> so handle it with energy, you know, and, and let go of this whole warrior self because the warrior self is on the karmic cycle and it's holding old trauma and it's holding old beliefs and patterns that you actually need to bring back to light. So you, what you need to do with that warrior self is you need to, you've acknowledged your warrior self, so that's beautiful. Um, and that's the gift of the pandemic, to give that gift to you and I think to a lot of people. Secondly, to accept the warrior self and what it's carrying and then to bring that warrior self back to light is really important because it's not in light at the moment, it's sitting in unresolved karma and it's sitting with old trauma. So, you know, forget about what's happening out there for a minute and bring your own consciousness back to, to itself. Because when you do that, then, then you will receive much clearer guidance about the next step for you and if, if necessary for humanity. But remembering always that we all make our choices. We all have free will here. And there's no one that's a victim on this planet. Everyone has free will. Yeah. You know, the, what I've been doing to, to handle it is, is I just, when I start feeling that 
emotion, that energy, that sadness, that frustration, the need to defend, I just go meditate in the sauna with my soul. And, and my soul usually says, look, you need to do a video about this for people. Take that energy and, and do it nonviolently. Educate people because what you're trying to fight with the weapons of the warrior is not going to teach anybody anything except how to fight. So teach them how to make better decisions. Teach them how to take care of themselves. Teach them how to use their minds to create what they want because that's how they got into this by not using their minds to create what they want. And so my point is, is that the way I've, my soul has been handling it with me is take the warrior energy, but use the energy to handle it through education, inspiration, and helping people free themselves from the same kind of energy that likes to get a hold of me and, hmm. and grip me and, and, and wind me up and make me want to, you know, jump into the battlefield again. And, and look, you know, that's playing out. You sort of with your ego too, that four harmony and balance or conflict and drama. You know, it's the same thing and it's being, you know, um, encouraged by that old karma. So uh, as much as you meet with your soul, call that part of you in. Call that warrior self in. Sit with that warrior self. Find out what the trauma is that that warrior self's holding. When oh, I know. <laughs> Trust well, me. There you go. Work with that. I can Let tell you a lot of past lifetimes where I got really self. pissed off at what happened, and I and I still have strong memories of it. That's one of the reasons I have a a bit of a, a like my buddy Naveed said, you know. Uh, he was here. He's a very evolved soul. I wish I could introduce you to him someday, but we were talking about religion and whatever. And I, I was talking about my frustration with Christianity and all the harm I've seen it do. And he looks at me and he smiles. He goes, I think you have a little healing to do there. <laughs> I just cracked up. And that's so beautiful. I said, do you know how many lifetimes I've been killed by Christians yeah. telling me it was for God? I would, a, a Native American tribe I was in, they locked us all into a wooden building and lit it on fire. And we all burned to death in the name of God. I'm like, this is not God. So my point is to, to say to you, yes, there is a warrior there. And it is driven by a lot of pain. And it has a lot of memories. And unfortunately, the memories are of people trying to do exactly the kind of shit that's going on right now. That's why it gets me really fucking wound up because I go, okay, here we go again. Damn it. I know. Now I've got to, I got to be careful not to get locked into a building this time so I can do some work on the problem. But let me, let me say this to you. You know, you're not the only warrior on the planet that's, you know, the karmic no. warrior. And Thank so <laughs> that energy sits in the heart of humanity constantly because it hasn't been resolved. The way we work with karma in, in the work that I teach is because most, so much of my work is about resolving karma. Uh, because the masters have said to us, you know, that look at, look at the planet. Look at the, all the waste on the planet. Look at all the debris. Look at all the plastic. Then go out and look at space and all the space junk. They've said to me, that is just a mirror of the karma that has not been resolved by this collective of souls. Yeah, I, I think that's a great analogy for it. And it's affecting each and every one of you. And until you all start to work on that karma, nothing is going to change on this planet. So 
it's it's really you know they've impressed upon me especially in the last 10 years that until humanity really starts to let go of their karmic consciousness then we just keep repeating the same old patterns which we've been doing for centuries nothing changes this is not new you know so nothing that's happening on this planet is new so we can rant about it we can go on about it we can get angry we can be our worry we can get on the battlefield but on the battlefield nothing gets resolved but when we go into our energy and we start to work with it in an energetic conscious way things do become resolved and one of the big things is that with karma I teach this with my scribe group when we're doing records that there's lots, all the stories are there, but it's not the story you have to resolve. What you have to resolve is whatever you chose to create from that story about who you are and your relationship with everything. So what your beliefs are and you need to work with those, that's the karma. And this is what people don't understand. So it's the consciousness that you're holding that drives you to that place that's not serving you and that's the karma and that's what needs to be released and resolved not the story the story is just the story the experience being burnt in a shed you know you can as you said that's the story and that's an experience and you've probably had 20 more of those you know and so many people on this planet who have lived many lifetimes have all had rape and pillage and and being burnt at the stake and being killed and the whole village is wiped out. It goes on and on and on. You couldn't have lived on this planet without experiencing some of that. So we all hold that. But what did you choose to believe and create from that experience? That's the key and that's what we need to release. And it's so difficult because we don't go there and we need to go there and release that, you know. Well, you know, it just reminds me of the words of Jesus, love thy enemy as thyself. And yeah, well, it's true. that's what I think a lot of Christians don't understand. If they practice what Jesus taught, it is a really radical, very intense path. I mean, the he problem is, is there's not, there's, the problem is, is there's just not enough Christians practicing Christianity or, or, or the whole world would be different. And I, sure. I always remind people, if you want to keep talking about Jesus and let's get, sit down and talk about what he taught. And, 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 and it doesn't matter if it's Jesus or Lao Tzu or Buddha or anybody. They're all basically saying the same thing. So it, for me, I've just found, I gotta, I always have to remind myself reading is one thing, talking about it's another thing, but doing it. You know, it's a lot easier to go to the gym and make yourself real strong and have a beautiful body than it is to deal with, you know, the kind of stuff we're talking about. Oh. Yeah, I, I celebrate every one of my students because I say to you, you guys are the bravest people I know. You're so courageous because you're walking this path. You know, it's a big path and it's very courageous it to do it. Yeah. Well, anyhow, I don't want to bore the audience too much is there any other quick things on these numbers you want to just to kind of give them a sample of the rays or have we got well, it? well the other thing is is your four of course is sitting in your emotional body and so when you're not in harmony and balance emotionally you're not happy so nope <laughs> and so when you go into conflict and you go into drama in your life you're also not going to be happy you're going to be, you know, it's going to affect your health because it's in the emotional body. So it certainly will affect you on many levels. And, um, and, you know, when you're not, you know, as we're talking about, when you're not connected to the earth, you're not happy. You're not going to be at peace in yourself. You know, all of those things which you've talked about. So 
that's why because you have that four in your emotional as well so it really affects your nervous system it's going to affect your your whole emotional um output um and and, and so you need to find that place for you that happy place that peaceful place that harmonious place it looks like you found it where you live you know you're you know you're in that place where you live and make sure you really work to that because then you will always find that harmony within yourself and that's so important for you it's a very important place to find hence that you spend so much time looking for that place and experimenting with things that are going to take you to that place and bring that harmony within you you know to bring that it's emotion, also so. for me <clears throat> yes it, it's that too it took us five years to find this place and, and we had to really be patient because we saw a lot of nice places, but there was always something that didn't sit right in me particular. But with five years of patience, I'm just the happiest man in the world that I listened to my soul and just kept waiting. But the, the thing I wanted to bring up just also to share with the listeners is, you know, I'm happy on the land and I have my dream home and property, but what's even more important than the land is the harmony between my my two wives, Penny and Angie, and, and me and the kids, because I can't create and share my love effectively if I don't have harmony in the house. Yeah. You know, so um, I find that, you know, if, if, if any of us creates a world around ourselves, like we love our office or we love our car or we love our yard, and we use that to escape the disharmony we have in the family, then we're really actually using um, something positive, our lovely car, home, yard, gym, to avoid the real work that we're not doing. So I find for me, I have to always put conscious awareness into sharing love and connection with my families because without them, the the property's just dirt and stones, but but with them, it's it's heaven on earth, you know. So, I think for me, it's really been a growing process because I don't, I never even knew how to have a family. My family was so broken and so violent and just so we were just surviving and existing and trying to, you know, I couldn't wait to get the hell away from my home. So I've had to go through you know, two marriages to, and, and, uh, and, and a third wife and two more kids to really learn how to have a family and how to make room in myself for other people. And I'm still growing a lot in that regard, but I, I just, I think it's important that we, we need to always balance the relational aspects with the material aspects. Or what we really love can actually be our shell that the turtle hides in. But some of the, like the relational work and the emotional work is far tougher than anything you can do physically. That's right. And, and you know, I'm looking again at your physical ray, which is the three, which is about potential, which is about letting go of limitation. And that's your physical in your physical life, in your home life, in your career, in all of those areas. There's a big drive there to come into that mastery of opening, of, of, of new, of potential instead of living through limitation. And so that's a big driver for you. And so no wonder you're saying what you're saying about your home life and your family, you know. Being on the earth, though, is for you that emotional connection is very important. 
it's um and you know being on the earth for all of us also having that connection with the earth always helps us to hold harmony and balance in in everything so uh, because mother earth has that has that energy that she shares with us what's a six mental all about i got to hear this well this is- <laughs> Well, the sixth mental is, and it's so funny you're talking about Jeshua because sixth mental is is Lord Sananda, who is the higher consciousness of Jeshua. And so the sixth mental is is about honouring your divine self. It's really about coming into the belief that you really are the God self. You are the Christ self on earth. And and so um, it, it causes you to really come into that. Now, on the journey of the experience, you have to have an experience of that. So you're experiencing often in that six is that you're not the God self, you're not divine, you're not worthy, and you're having that experience of coming into that worthiness. So it takes you through that mental belief from the beginning, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy of God, I'm not worthy of this, and then having that experience through your thoughts and beliefs of growing into that place that you are because we're working with that potential all the time, that principle that we're going to learn here about the, about the the divinity of yourself and how you do that. So that mental process, it will take you through all of the thoughts. You will seek out in your from the mental perspective um, books, courses, learning, experiences that will bring you into that divinity. It will also cause you to have lots of high ideals and you can be very idealistic mentally when you've got a six there. It means you're extremely idealistic and you can get very attached. The thing with basics, you've got to be careful not to get fanatical because it's um, we get fanatical with the six, especially in our mental. So we can get very attached to ideas and not understand that ideas can be fleeting. They come in, they go out, as ideas always do. Um, but you've got that nicely balanced, you know, by that um, three in your physical, from your work perspective, wanting to be open to new. So you have to balance that out without getting caught up and attached with fanatical ideas and really understanding the bigger picture of the divinity of yourself means a much higher consciousness of yourself. So really opening up to that, which you've been, you know, it's all that we've talked about for this whole time of how you've done that journey. You've been experiencing that for all the way through your mind wanting to know its divinity and you have been seeking that, you know, starting from a place probably, and I'm guessing here, but starting from a place where you didn't feel worthy, you didn't feel good enough, but you were idealistic about things, whatever that might have been, and over the time you might have caught on to things and held attachment to them to be idealistic about it and then letting it go and moving into other things. But, but the whole time the mind wanting to find its divinity wanting to find what makes me divine. And that would have been very important for your mind and still is, of course, because it's part of your yeah. process. I, th- I, I think for me, I, I've I've never been fanatical because I hate fanatics. They drive me nuts. So I always just realize how dangerous and ugly that can get. But uh, I've always been an explorer and I've always tried to find the limitations. To me, ideas are tools. So I've always been tried to be conscious. When is any given idea useful, but where does it lose its limitation? I think that's why I've spent my life collecting so many of them. So I have a big toolbox. Um, but anyhow, I, I, I never really felt limited or trapped in any ideas. 
I've always been able to put them on and take them off like clothes and just say, well, that one works here, but not there. So, you know, when we talk about these principles, you know, as I said, we have free will, so you can choose where you want to sit within it. And that's where I'm saying you've chosen to sit in that curiosity of finding and that seeking that connection to God. You want to find yeah, that Yeah, well, that's connection. the big driver. And that's yeah. been a really big driver for you mentally, you know, and it's been because you've, you've read, you've sorted out, you've studied, you've done all this work and, you, you know, your tools. So you've had that six has driven you to that, you know, uh, whereas somebody could just stay in there in their I can't, you know, not I can't do it, but they're I'm too unworthy, I'm not good enough and just stay in that place. You've been driven to, to move forward because you, you have that soul mission of really opening up to the, to the unconditional love of all that is, really opening up to what is. And that's a really big soul mission. And to take I'm that out. I'm so grateful. I'm grateful that I get to be who I am. I'm sure you are too. You know, I think a lot of people don't realize how absolutely mind-blowingly beautiful it is to be exactly who they are. <laughs> it does. Yeah, it does. And it, and it takes time. I think it's, I think it's important to understand that you don't come to this place um, immediately. It, it's a journey. And and even when you come to this place, there's more to come. There's always more, you know. It's it's never final. So anyhow, so for the listeners, this is an example of a soul ray reading. So each of the things she just read off, the two, the seven, the four, the eleven, the six, the four, the three, those are rays. So those represent aspects of my consciousness or my soul as an individual. And so by doing the training or getting a reading from one of Ishtar's uh, practitioners, can people hire your practitioners yeah, and get a reading yeah. like Joe did for me? Yeah, it's part of a healing practice. You know, this is the first part, the soul chart. And then we actually do the healing work where, where there's unresolved karma. We, we work to help you resolve that. Have you ever had a healing from Joe? I haven't had a healing from oh, Joe. Oh, you but must have a healing from Joe. They're very profound. They're beautiful. So get Joe to do to, some healing with you. Yeah, have to yeah. do that. Just to experience it because the soul chart's just the first step. Then we put you on the table and we work with, there's a whole channel um, uh, booklet and cards that you work with. You pick some cards that you work with, you choose through your soul connection what you want to work with. And then the healer is the facilitator of that. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, is that something she has to do personally or can it be done at a distance? No, no, we do it distant. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, very I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll connect to her and yeah, we have see what practitioners what all over the out. world. We have practitioners in Russia. We have practitioners in Switzerland, in France, in England, in, um, someone in Greece and Singapore and Japan and Australia. In the States, in New York, and in California, there's practitioners. I don't know if there's one in California, but we have them in New York, yeah. What's Canada. the way for people, where do people go? Is there a website they can find people, or how do you Yeah, do you it's on the website. It's called, it's very easy, www.universalraisehealing.com. Universalraisehealing.com. That's it. And that's where the course is at too, isn't it? Well, the link to the course is on there, yeah, because the course is on Kajabi. But the link's there. You go there, it'll take you to the link. Just go to courses, to training, and it'll take you to the link, yeah. Great.
Hi, everybody. I sure hope you're enjoying the podcast today. You know, it's sad that most people are either in too much of a rush to prepare fresh organic greens, be they vegetables or green fruits like fresh green apples, and end up grazing on inferior foods. But it comes with a cost. Nutrient depletion, reduced capacity to handle stress, reduced immune resilience, and you age more rapidly. But Organifi comes to our aid again with an amazingly tasty, nutritious addition. Their new crispy apple green juice. But it's more than just another apple drink. It's packed with your favorite adaptogens and superfoods. Some key features of Organifi's new crisp apple green juice are delicious taste from organic crisp apples, organic whole apple sources hand-picked, including Golden Delicious from Washington, Northern Spy, Macintosh, Ida Red, and Empire from Ontario, Canada. The new crisp apple green juice is formulated with the highest quality ashwagandha at an effective dose of 600 milligrams for helping your body handle stress more effectively and it's low sugar only two grams per serving but the taste is amazing for such a low sugar drink just add water mix and experience the joy of real food real fast go to organifi.com o-r-g-a-n-i-f-i.com and save 20 percent on organifi products when you enter your living 4d discount code capital c capital h capital e capital K, 20 during checkout. That's check 20 for your 20% discount on Organifi products during checkout. Enjoy Organifi's new crisp apple green juice. We're, we're pretty well along, so I'll, I'll kind of choose a couple of questions here just to sort of round it out. Um, you know, my next question, I think, is a good one. Um, You and I know this, we've talked about it, but it's the concept of Earth School. And mm-hmm. I always um, feel that it's important for people to understand, particularly my students, that we're all here in Earth School, you know, because a lot of us wonder, how the hell did I get here? And why am I here? And, you know, when you got a universe with two trillion galaxies, you can say, well, geez, that's unusual. Why am I here and living through all this crazy shit um, when there must be much nicer places to be in the universe? So I wanted to ask you, you know, from your perspective and maybe what the masters have taught you. Um, and by the way, what did you say the master was for my the last ray you were talking about? Lord Sananda. You know what? Uh, when you said that, something funny happened inside of me. Good. My unconscious, my unconscious, I talked to it and I asked it what its name is and it said Ananda. So when you ah. said Lord Sananda, I thought, well, that's interesting. My unconscious tells me its name is Ananda. That's close. Very close. Yeah. Sorry for the, for the sideway. I didn't, I just no, no. wanted to, I, for, I for almost forgot meaning. to share that. Ananda is, a, is a, I think it's a Sanskrit name or a spiritual name. Uh, there's Sananda and there's, there is an Ananda, which is very connected. Um, I'll, I'll look it up for you and I'll tell you what it means. So, yeah, I, I know it you. means something to do with consciousness, bliss, or something like that. So Lord Sananda is the higher self of Jeshua the Nazarene, and um, he was the higher consciousness of Jeshua. And Lord Sananda has this amazing... Um, Temple of Healing on on Chiron, which is a you know the planet Chiron, 
where a lot of healers from all over the universe practice, as you know, and a quite an amazing place to go for healing. And I often go there and sit in their temples and well, I call them temples, but they're healing chambers. Um, and, and receive healing. So, you know, just, you can, good place for you to go and visit, get some out and meet to, you. I'll have to ask to be guided there by yeah, my soul. Go to the, go to the healing temples on Chiron. Chiron healing temples. So anyhow, um, without getting too far off the track, because <laughs> I want to be able to get some more of this good information from you in here. Um, why are we here specifically and not somewhere else is the first question. And, and it's great you're asking this to somebody who, when they were five years of age, didn't want to be here and didn't want to be here for a long time. Yeah, so. Totally. Yeah, I wanted to be out of here. I wanted to be beamed up Scotty, you know, like yeah, many of my too. students. Get me out of here now, you know. So, um, uh, but what I've discovered, and it's, it, I know this may sound bizarre, but especially for Star Trekers or whatever, but. Or what is it? The other, the other movie, but um, and sometimes there's truth in movies. The masters Star told me, Wars. Star Wars. Thank you. That a long time ago, um, you know, billions of years ago, there was a a big war in this in this galaxy because we're in the Milky Way galaxy, and there was a big war, and it's known amongst spiritual light workers as the Orion War. Now. It's called the Orion War mainly because a lot of the, the, the war was held around the planet Orion, but it wasn't created by the Orions, although lots of people think it was, but it wasn't. Um, and a lot of, a lot of beings in the universe participated in it. And then while peace eventually, after a long time, was, was found, and your warriors soft will love this because it's part of that whole battle thing, and I'm sure you were part of those those battles. At some, in well, one of the just groups. to tell you real quick, since you mentioned Orion, I asked my soul which because I've often had visions of where I came from, like where is my true home, and my soul said I am from Orion's belt. No, oh, okay, well there you go. Well, Orion, Orion was, you know, was a place where there was, a, there were people in Orion. There were warriors. And there was also a lot of people just think there's warriors, but I've connected with, um, this amazing group of healers that were also in Orion and they lived underground actually, but I'm diverting. But, um, what happened from that galactic war? Because it was a huge galactic war that cost a lot of lives and a lot of destruction. It actually destroyed a lot of planets. It destroyed a lot of, a lot of places. And when peace was finally called, the, the you know the galaxy came together and peace was called. What happened was that the karma that was created from all those wars, all the trauma, all the karma, was not resolved. Nothing got resolved. They created peace, but all the energy, the karma, um, of between all the different species, uh, was never truly resolved. So what I was told is that a group was called, a group of souls was called to come to Earth and Earth was going to be the place where we resolved all the karma of our galaxy. And ah. so all the different, there was representatives from all the different species that were involved in those wars and they all came to Earth. Hence we have the different um, races on the planet and so those races on the planet actually represent different species of of people of beings that were involved in those wars, and so we're here to resolve that karma. Uh, but what we've been doing for so many thousands of years is simply just playing it out again and again. 
And as a warrior, you can, you can certainly relate to that when you see the history of this planet and all the wars, the tribal wars that we have, you know, all the wars between, when we started to have, you know, states and countries. I mean, the whole of Europe used to be broken up into small states and they all used to fight with each other. But even before then, when we were just tribes, we were constantly fighting. You know, we, we look at Egypt. Egypt was constantly at war with all the tribes around it, constantly. Every pharaoh had to be a warrior. So it, it's gone on and on and on. South America, the same thing. So um, we're still fighting with each other. We have not resolved the karma, which is why the masters, the masters told me that story because they really wanted to impress upon me how important it is for us to resolve the karma because until we do it, nothing's going to change and uh, until we really resolve it. It's not just cutting it off and sending it somewhere else. It's actually resolving the consciousness back to light. The consciousness has to resolve back to its truth. But it sounds to me like what you're saying, though, and this this is quite special if I'm interpreting you correctly. If we realize, and correct me if I'm wrong, but if we realize that we're actually here doing the work to resolve discordance and tension for the whole galaxy. That's right. What Doesn't that make each of us quite an important being of consciousness definitely. in the galaxy? Yes, we are. We are. Definitely. So we're, it's almost like we're from the different councils that were at war, but now we're sitting together and say, okay, we got to work this out in the, in this sandbox and we're either going to do it by killing each other or we're going to, st- and we're going to have to stay here till we get it right. That's it. Or we're just going to go destroy everything else in the universe. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we're, we're, we're just going to wake up one day and realize we've ruined everything. <laughs> yeah. Because that consciousness, you know, is not, it needs to be prevented from going out into the greater universe. We need to, it's contained in this galaxy at this point, but it needs to be resolved. It's a consciousness of creation that exists. And unless it's brought back into its truth, in fact, to its light, because everything comes out of light, because it's the creation energy, it needs to come back to its original consciousness. Otherwise, you know, it just keeps spreading. And as the masters, as I shared earlier, then we have, you know, the waste that's on this planet, the plastic in the oceans. Then it's just spreading further and further. It's now out into space. We need to do something about it, and everybody needs to be involved in it. So it seems to me, then, that the initiation we're all going through is to learn to step up to not only love and respect the planet and treat it as a living being, but to love and respect each other and handle our karmic tendencies to violence through nonviolent means. And it seems like there's this force on the planet that wants to imprison and control us, which is goes all the way back through all the lineages of kings, queens, and emperors for as long as we can see. Now they just got better toys to, 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 to capture people with. The ego. But, but they're sort of like, a physical representation of our own urge to capture control and kill everything else. That's right. So if we, if we can, if we can resolve this together and stand up for ourselves nonviolently and simply say, no, we're not going to follow your mandates and we're, we're, we're going to take care of ourselves. We're going to create health. We're going to create harmony and you can either be part of it or not. It seems like that's what the initiation is. What's your, thoughts on that 
Yes, I think, you know, it's, it's for each one of us to actually resolve that karma because we all hold it. It's all within our beings. We all have the tendency to be violent, controlling, aggressive, and we need to work with that. We all have that warrior energy. We all have that, you know, that consciousness within us. And so we're being asked to work with that. And, and we've been here for thousands of years still, you know, it's not a long time in, in the time of the universe of the galaxy, but still. No, we're, we're, we're not, don't seem to be improving as far as I can see. But um, Yeah, it's, you know? it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. We just keep projecting it. We, we don't own it for ourselves. We just project it onto other people all the time. And, you know, and, of course, you know, that whole controlling energy that you're talking about is just a reflection of our own ego. It's the ego itself that wants to control. And the more it feels threatened, the, the more it wants to control. So it's about resolving the ego within ourselves because we are part of this collective. And the thing is, if the more and more of us actually do what we're here to do, then the collective will shift. But yeah. we we need to get more and more of us. Hence, that's why you and I are here, Paul. It's why anybody's here. It's one of the reasons why you train teachers and I train teachers. It's because we want people to go out there and 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 start helping people to do this because. Otherwise, it just keeps perpetrating and, and and repeating again and again. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because when I was in the 82nd Airborne Division, I had a feeling of sickness in me. I really joined the Army to get the training so that I could get out of the Army and get a good job working for Bell Helicopters because at that time in 1983 80, uh, when I joined, um. Even in 1983, guys coming out of the military with my training that I went into were making 90,000 bucks a year. So, you know, at that time, that would be like 200,000 a year now. So, but what happened is I think being in there and going through all the military stuff, it just activated all my memories of the fact that I've done this over and over and over again, and it never works. So I, I, I started looking into what's really going on and the, and I just got to the point where like, I have got to get out of the military. I don't care if they offer me a million bucks a year. I'm, I've got to get out of here because I just don't feel good supporting this kind of mentality. Um, so you're right. I do have that karma and I do have that fight in me, but I also recognize that that's, it's kind of like the urge to fight with the person you love the most. It never takes you anywhere, you know? And we all do it. We all have it. So, you know, even if we deny it, that's, it's there, you know, when we get angry, when we lash out, when we project, when we blame others, all of that karma is there. And, and we, we need, it's like, you know, we, we, it's just like our, the waste that we produce all through our consumerism. We want to ignore it all the time, but the trouble is, you know, it's going to drown us. So we, the same thing with our karma. We can't ignore it because it will drown us. So it seems then that if we don't make it through this initiation, we just have to live in the hell we create for ourselves. And if we do, we can create heaven on earth as a metaphor. Yes. Well, we can or we can't. I mean, once again, free will. So, you, you know, the understanding of the creation energy, the source, the God, the energy of whatever that we want to call it, um, is that it doesn't judge and it, we're here, we're doing this. But if we don't do it, if we destroy everything, it's not going to judge. It's going to look, well, they, we didn't do it, you know. 
but there's no there's no judgment in that you know I've, I've been told that we've already destroyed two planets um i don't doubt it one. you know this is our third one it's a collective there may not be judgment but there is a thing called reality because you're destroying your own home so god That's says it. oh i don't judge you at all but enjoy eating uh, plastic bottles and trying to survive off of no water and poisonous everything. No you're judgment. Your, but you're creating your reality. You have the choice of what you're doing, you know, and we're being asked to take responsibility for that because it's our choice. It's not God's choice. I think people don't realize that free will is not an easy path because no, you ultimately have to take responsibility for what you create with it. Yes. Yes, definitely. Well, to close out, I, if you want to do this, Joe, Joe, Joe kept probing me to ask you. I thought if if you if you were up to it, and you wanted to access one of the masters you work with to to give us all a message, like you know, it, there could be fifty thousand people that hear this. That's a pretty good amount of people. Mm -hmm. um, yep. If there's a message that they would like to share with all of us, then um, if you want to share it. And and then we'll kind of close out from there. Okay. I don't know how the masters never give five minute messages, but we'll we'll see how we can go. We'll um All right. I, I can never control what time how long, but they don't give it won't be that long, but anyway, we'll we'll uh, do well this. we'll see what the masters have to say. They're the masters, so we just better sit here and listen. And listen to them. Okay. We say to you, beloved one. There is a blessing waiting for humanity. We have sat with you. And we have listened. And we have opened our hearts to connect with you. And in this moment, we call to you to open your hearts to us. We come, the Council of Five. We are the Magdalene that steps to you now. And we come with the Nada, the Guan Yin, Sara, and Venus Kumara. We are the feminine consciousness of opening. We say to you, we are not the female. We are the consciousness of opening, of receiving, that sits within each one of you. It is an opportunity for you to breathe and allow the flow to move through you. Simply to let the consciousness that we bring to come and touch your being. A gentleness of love, an opening. What will it open to your mind, may ask? It will open you, beloved one, to whatever. You are needing at this time to receive for you. Allow your soul to meet you in this moment. 
to come to you and to touch you deeply. For on this journey, many of you have walked. Parts of you are tired. Parts of you are holding sadness in your heart. Parts of you, confusion and doubt. Yet we come to bring to you a blessing way. We come each one around you now simply to hold you in sacred space. To understand that you are held in this moment. There is nothing for you to know. Nothing for you to do. Nothing for you to be. Simply receive, we say. Receive the flow of this blessing way that comes to you through the stream of consciousness that we bring to you now. It is an opening of flow. And within you, perhaps you will allow a gateway to open that you may meet that which you are needing at this time. Allowing yourself to be nourished. To be helped. To be supported in a consciousness of light that has no agenda, no demand. It simply comes to hold you. And we ask you simply to let go and allow yourself in this moment to be held. Breathe now, beloved one. Breathe and receive. And know that you are held.
And in this moment, breathe and allow, receive, beloved heart. For this is the blessing that you give to thyself to receive from the light that we bring to you and to allow this to expand you, to nourish you, to hold you in this moment and whenever you are needing to be heard, call to us and we will come and bring to you the light of love. And the light of love will lift you up and hold you deeply. Beloved heart, choose this gift for yourself and know the beauty of your soul. We bless you. Each one, as we honor the light of you, remember that which you are. You are that which you are, no other. You are that which you are, a gift from the heart of God. Blessed are you. Blessed are you. Blessed are you. Thank you. Mm. Thank you. Boy, that, when you started singing, just it was so powerful inside of me. It was like I was being opened from the inside out. It was like I had goosebumps from every cell in my body. Thank you for receiving. Uh, thank you. And, you know, who was it that we were listening to? Who was coming through? Mary Magdalene. Oh, wow. Um, because she said, call call us and, and we will come to you. But I'm, I, I didn't realize. I was wondering, well, who, who is it that we're calling to? And, and because your accent went quite Asian, so I didn't think of Mary Magdalene with an Asian accent. Mm. I don't know. It always goes into that I, that accent. I don't know. Just always does. That's very interesting. Mm. But uh, at first, I thought maybe it was Quan Yin, you know, because of the accent. But uh, you know, the, the message really is. Um, it's one that I've experienced in deep ceremony, and 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 really, it's God saying, "Look, you know, it's it's." It's all beautiful, and 
you don't have to struggle. You can enjoy it. You know, it's, um, but I, I kind of got the sense that the message was, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to be anything. You can, you, you can just, I guess the words that I would say is just enjoy life as opposed to having to, you know, make it such a struggle all the time. Is that what you felt? Yes, it's um, beautiful that you receive that because that's the message the masters often bring is that, you know, I know St. Germain often says, why do we make it so complicated? You know, <laughs> He often says that to people, but it is, it's about just open to receive. I think it's not just about doing nothing. She did say, just open to receive. The message is receive, receive the consciousness of light. Let it flow through you and then there is no struggle. Yeah, understood. It's great. I'm I'm looking forward to when the podcast comes out because I really want to hear the singing again. It was, it, it I found it very powerful. Um, it's almost as though it's speaking to a level inside of me that my conscious mind can't reach. Yeah, it does do that. Mm. Well, what an amazing journey we've had. <laughs> um, it was fun to you know, go through the rays of the soul. I hope everybody enjoyed sort of, you know, seeing the model with me as sort of the, the kind of the concept to say, but, you know, just putting me in a, as a placeholder to say, this is the kind of information you'll get. And I know too, that, you know, we're time limited because Joe told me quite a lot of information and wrote me a whole report. So there's a lot that come through, can come through. And, um, like you said, it's it's really the doorway to begin the healing. The report just sort of gives you your guidance system to say, okay, now you know where to look in your life. But I think it's really quite obvious when you get your report, unless you're just bullshitting yourself, you know, <laughs> yeah. the, the, yeah. most of us know inside where we're withholding, where we're angry, where we're not forgiving. So I think sometimes that, you know, for me, getting the report was just really like, reminding me you already know this so don't don't be um let's see what's the right way to say it? manage the responsibility of growing yourself that's it yeah here's here's your reminder of where you, what you came here to work on so don't waste the time by pretending that you didn't come here to do this <laughs> <laughs> yes. and that's exactly it that's exactly it definitely <laughs> yeah so tell us again what the website is and and maybe give the offering and the code the discount for the listeners uh, i'll give it to you so um the you know you there's a 10 percent discount for the level one online training program so, and if you go to the website, which is www.universalraisehealing.com, um, and it will take you, it will give you some information, but if you go to training, you'll go to level one online training and it'll take you to the training. And then the promo code to receive your 10% discount is URH check 10. U R H check ten. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. So universal raise healing, healing. is U R H. Yeah, and then yeah. Check, check and ten. Great. And what's the price of the course? 
The course is 615 Australian dollars, but that's about 450 US. That's okay, level well, that's, one. for a life-changing course, that's not uh, a lot of money. How long, how much contact, like how long of a course is it? What's the, well, how's it set up? On, online, there's 13 modules online for level one. And then when you finish those 13 modules, um, you then would do uh, a four-day training with a teacher. So that's, a, that's, a, that's an ongoing cost. Uh, and in that training, in online, you get all the theory, you get all the understanding, and you learn about the soul chart. And then when you go and work with the teacher, you actually learn how to do the healing process and you go more deeply into the soul chart. So there's a lot of talk about that. There's a lot of live interaction with it. So you do that with the teacher, someone like Joe. How long is each of the uh, modules of the 13 modules? Some of them are only about 30 minutes and some of them are about an hour. Okay, so it's yeah, somewhere between 30 minutes and an hour. Yeah. So someone can do that uh, fairly reasonably in the evening instead of watching junk television? Yep, they can do it very easily. And uh, there's an assessment you have to complete. For each module, which is, if you've watched the module, it's pretty simple. And then you go on to the next one. Hmm. And are your books at the same website? When you, when you, uh, um, register for the course, you will get a copy of the book and you will get a manual and you will get some, uh, chakra codes, uh, sent to you, uh, because that's all part of your material. Right. Well, what I mean is all your other books, if someone wants to just go buy your books or look through them to s just to sort of shop. Yeah, um, you can get them off, not off that site, but they're off my site, which is, um, I'm trying to think what mine, mine is, which is ishtarmasterchannel.com. So that's for my other work, yeah. That's I-S-H-T-A-R. T-A-R, masterchannel.com. Dot com. Okay, great. I think that was a phenomenal conversation. We covered a lot of really deep, profound, beautiful, honest material there. And uh, I hope everybody enjoyed it. I sure did. It's so fun to talk to somebody that's grounded in their truth and centered in their love and, and has a, and, and lives their teachings, you know, and I think anybody listening to you, can feel that. I know I certainly can. And, and like I said, I've had many years of witnessing what happens when the one person I know that has studied with you has applied the teachings. And she's somebody that I think is a great example for the whole world. No, she's wonderful, Joe. Yeah. And so, um, Thank you, Ishtar. What a what a great thing. And and you know, along the way we'll have to do another conversation and maybe talk about a specific topic or a specific issue or something something that will help the listeners. So Well, I I I've just launched a, a course the last two years on the path of the one heart, which is about light workers and these scenes. So that might be an interesting one to talk about. Yeah, there you go. So yeah, that's another possibility. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? And people can find all your courses on, on the website, right? Yeah, they can. Yeah, yeah. So there's more. There's what, Isn't there, what, five, four or five of them? Yeah, there's the Master's Way, which is a three-year course, Open to Channel, which is a year, and then the Path of the One Heart, which is two and a half years. So there's, there's Oh, wow, a that's a lot. There. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Great. Well, I hope you guys all enjoyed it. Thank you to our sponsors for all your love and support and for being uh conscious of the earth and having sustainable practices and producing beautiful organic foods and supplements and things that help us all heal. 
Thank you to all of you for sticking in there with us through this amazing conversation. I hope it's touched your soul. And thank you for sharing the love and the episode with anybody that you feel might benefit from it. Thank you for anything you buy from the sponsors because it supports the podcast. If you love the podcast and you want to leave uh, a uh, testimonial of your experience of the podcast on iTunes, I'd certainly appreciate it. It'll help us grow the listenership. And I think probably the most important thing we can all do is, is really just take the wisdom that we've gotten from Ishtar and the love that we have and carry it out into the world because there's a lot of scared and confused people out there right now. And, and I think the best thing we can do is not necessarily tell them that they're right or wrong. I know sometimes I get a little polarized with all the vaccination stuff, but I've had to learn with my family, you know, I can love them and, and just give them the freedom of knowing that was the choice that made them feel safe and comfortable. I can pray for them each day. But the most important thing is to is to love and support everybody. And, you know, as I often say, we're all in an experiment right now. We're either in the experiment of not taking vaccinations or whatever they're throwing at you and seeing how that works. Because if there's a dangerous virus out there, we may be on the short end of the stick. And the other ones are in the experiment of of going with the technology and they're going to show us what the outcome of that research. So we're all kind of supporting each other. It's like humanity is being broken into two research groups, group A that says, I'll go it on my own and trust natural methods and group B that says, I'm going to follow uh, whatever the so-called science of the day is. And there's no denying that there will be an outcome and either side that you're on, it was our choice. So if it's a choice that turns out to be good, we own that. If it's a choice that turns out to be challenging, then we've got a great opportunity to grow and make better choices moving forward. So I don't see any other way to handle it other than just give everybody their free will, but try not to beat each other up for being in the same experiment. <laughs> We're all in the same experiment called life. That's it. Just keep holding that heart open and stay in unconditional love. I think that's important. And, uh, and understand, while, you know, we think there's only two parts to the experiment, maybe there's a much bigger picture that none of us know about. So That's possible too. Yeah, and just honouring that too. So holding you very much in love. Thank you, Paul. I really have to say thank you very much for these, this time. You've been yeah, amazing. Thank you. Just amazing. It went by fast. I mean, yeah, can't believe that. It. It's been three yeah. hours and it yeah, feels no. like I've just been hanging out with you for on a park bench having a chat about life and chat. love yeah, and no, creation and thank so, you so uh, hey you are safe you are home you are whole a whole great spirit it is done it is, it is done. done it is, it is done. done i'll see you next time thank you for listening to living 4d with paul check and today's guest ishtar Ishtar is offering our listeners 10% off the Universal Rays Healing Level 1 online training program using the code URHCHEK10. Go to onlinecourses.universalraysehealing.com. That's onlinecourses.universalraysehealing.com. 
healing.com and enter the promo code U-R-H-C-H-E-K-1-0. If you would like to learn more about Ishtar's work, please visit universalraisehealing.com. Follow Paul Check on Instagram at paul.check, on Twitter at paulcheck, or on his YouTube podcast channel, youtube.com forward slash living4d with Paul Check. You can watch more on Paul's blog at paulchecksblog.com and get your free subscription to Check videos and more at the Czech Institute's new media site, chekiva.com. You can read the show notes and find links to the resources mentioned in this episode at checkinstitute.com forward slash podcast. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and a warm review at the top of the show page on Spotify or at the bottom of the show page if you are listening on Apple Podcasts.